This podcast is brought to you by patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Head there to check out exclusive podcasts like Talking Futurama, Talk King of the Hill, the What a Cartoon Movie podcast, and tons more. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons where we ask what would Geppetto do? I'm your host the suit of drugs wearer Bob Mackey and this is our chronological exploration of the Simpsons who is here with me today as always Henry Gilbert and I didn't say extreme to the max and who is our special guest on the line? Uh, this is the real Jim's YouTube personality I guess and I totally forgot to bring a quote today and this week's episode is Barting Over Please don't go Bart I'll let you swear in the house. Everything but the big three. Sorry, Mom. I just can't. Not as long as he's here. This week's episode originally aired on February 16th, 2003. And as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. (gasps) Oh, my God. Oh, boy, Bobby. Daredevil tops the box office. Michael Buble releases his debut album. And this special 300th episode of The Simpsons airs alongside a Married with Children reunion special. Oh, how nice. So there already was one. That's right. Yeah, in 2003, they were celebrating Married with Children's reunion. And I'm sure I watched it, but uh, there are so many people clamoring for a reunion now that I forgot that it happened, I'm guessing, uh, six years after it went off the air? Five years? Pretty much. Yeah. Even less. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, it's funny on this night that they're celebrating the 300th episode of The Simpsons. They're also celebrating their first big sitcom before The Simpsons. What was their biggest show before The Simpsons got even bigger. But uh, yes, Daredevil, that was an event for me as uh, when Marvel movies were not something you saw all the time. <laughs> it, was, it felt special to have a Daredevil movie in theaters. And I guess, uh, well, uh, so you have to remind me, Henry, they're gearing up to relaunch him in a big way because there was the uh, TV series on Netflix mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then he made an appearance in one of the Spider-Man movies and everyone went, woo! And then yep. what followed? Well, then he had sex with She-Hulk in the She-Hulk TV show for, for one episode. And currently they are filming a new series that who knows how uh, what's changing with that because things are in flux in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But uh, he's supposed to have a new series coming to Disney Plus, continuing with the Charlie Cox character. And of course, now that the multiverse is entering into everything with Marvel, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Ben Affleck Daredevil appear in an upcoming Marvel movie. Any things possible they need all the easy cheers they can get now they have enough dump trucks full of money i think Mm. it's gonna happen and if ben affleck says yes to a a dunkin donuts commercial he'll say yes to putting Mm. on the daredevil outfit again uh would a ben affleck daredevil be a big nostalgia draw like like i don't know like i saw the first daredevil but it was like one of those movies that kind of came and went where i was like that movie wasn't Spider-Man. Like we can leave that one in the past, I guess. Do you think do you think people would come out for a new Daredevil with Ben? I think they'd appreciate a reference, but like a full new movie, no. Nobody would care that no. much. I mean, like a- 
And you mentioned um, uh, Michael Buble. So this is a guy I only knew uh, via an appearance on the Tim and Eric Awesome Show. Great job. And now I have to tell everyone out there, he has reached even greater heights 20 years later because in Canada, we have this uh, non-alcoholic seltzer called Bubbly. And I think it's in America too. But at my local grocery store, there is a Michael Buble flavor here. Uh, it's it's Instead of oh. Bubbly, it's Buble. And it's a nice holiday flavor. I think it's like cranberry-ish or something. So he now has his own uh, flavored seltzer. So that's even better than Grammys, in my opinion. <laughs> I think my mom was uh, ahead of the curve on the Buble train. Like she had heard him on like NPR or something before he really crossed over, though. I feel like it was a year or two after this debut album was when he had his Christmas album, which is still uh, heard every holiday season. We're recording this as uh, the holiday season is just about to begin. So uh, you're hearing a lot of his uh, many standards. I can't think of a single Michael Buble song. Is there like a really famous one that I would have remembered? Because in this era, I was clearly in my Blink-182 phase, I think. <laughs> um, I, he mainly did sing old classics. That's the thing. Like, I, I do think there's, I do think there are some originals that he did that topped the charts. But when I think of Buble, I think of him singing like it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Yeah. You know, I don't think of the original music. So he does not have his own Mariah Carey style uh, 90s christmas song that has entered the rotation yeah like i always thought of michael buble as like songs that like your parents listen to and now that i am an old person too like i'm still not drawn to michael buble so i'm wondering when the buble bubbly is gonna hit me <laughs> you gotta take a sip <laughs> so the uh the top singles from his christmas album is just him singing all i want for christmas is you the mariah carey song christmas baby please come home it's beginning to look a lot like christmas and white christmas and Boy. then his fifth one is i think an original called cold december night so you know uh this makes me think writing a christmas album must be very easy and it's, i'm surprised the simpsons haven't done it but they have helped sell someone else's christmas album last year <laughs> They should just do a straight-up Simpsons Christmas boogie. Yeah, they really should. Yeah, they actually would sell a lot of copies if, well, I mean, if people bought music today, but they would get a lot of streams at the very least today if they did it, like, earnestly, or at least by the Simpsons standards. Which, of course, don't make any money. Yes, and I also think they missed the window in which uh, some of those actors could sing convincingly in their character voices. <laughs> That's also true, yes. Yeah. I don't know if uh, Julie Kavner can carry a song as Marge as well as she could do at this time period. I listened to some of those old albums. I sat through, uh, what was it, the uh, Springfield Soul Stew with her. I think I've had enough Marge singing for a while. <laughs> yes. Oh, boy. Yeah, and that Ooh. was her just saying, now add some bass. Or whatever. <laughs> we usually are apologetic for her of just like, you know, she didn't know she was going to yes. have to sing in that voice when she invented it. I feel very, very bad for her, uh, Julie Kavner, having to uh, just, just live in the Marge zone for 36, 37 years now. But hey, she's made the most of it. Yeah, I, I have trouble feeling that bad for her with the, you know, 30 years of very steady work with those paychecks as well. So I think you could do a lot worse, probably. Hey, that's right. If anything, she owes us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Come on the show, Julie. We love you. Anyhow, uh, let's get to our guest today. It is the real Jim's uh, Simpsons YouTuber joining us again. Uh, last time Jim's was here for Jaws Wired Shut. This time Jim's is here for a landmark episode. 
number 300. I am so happy you guys invited me for this very, very special occasion. I am really excited to talk about number 300 in which Marge does steroids and like trashes Moe's bar. <laughs> That's the episode we're talking about, right? Oh, we <laughs> wish we were celebrating that episode. The true 300th. Yes. Jims, I really did love your your review of that you did recently. Like, But I watched it after we did our podcast, uh, but we had very similar thoughts of first two acts, good, third act, bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to like go over that podcast again, but every time I watched that episode, I was like, wow, what a kind of nuanced and interesting story about her like dealing with this fear and everything. And then by act three, it's like, oh no, she's in a bodybuilding contest with Ruth Powers. It's like, yeah, that episode definitely went off the rails. Kind of like a certain episode today, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm wondering though, uh, I didn't do the math. Does this being the 300th throw off the count for all of the other landmark episodes? You know, I should have checked if 400 was actually 400 or 500, but 500. I think I remember when they hit 600 or just 750 recently. No little stinkers were saying, nah, technically it's not. So I think they might have gotten the counts right after this one. Hmm. In case anyone missed our Strong Arms of the Maw episode, that is actually the 300th production episode. For this episode, Fox, I, I think they told Al Jean, we want the 300th air on this date and he said well 302 is airing and their response was lie to people (laughs) and they did yep and it it all worked out uh and i mean they had an entire promotional mega campaign ready to roll out for this which uh we we engage with a lot of that but in in our research though uh though jim's also i want to say on your channel you've had a lot of great recent ones i did rewatch your review of the top 10 best episodes of season 14 this one did not make the list not even your honorable mentions so (laughs) so it is in the lesser half in your opinion yeah I, th- I think that's i when i rewatched it i had a similar like not to get too far into it but i had a similar situation where i was like oh this is better than i remembered and then by the end i was like oh this is why i didn't rank it <laughs> so yeah it's mostly when blink 182 comes in i think is when <laughs> i will say it is an odd choice for a hallmark landmark episode but then again all of the 100th 200th 300th 400th they never seem to be the right episode for you know a big landmark for the show mm-hmm. I mean, the, ne- the next one is a kent brockman episode episode 400 do we know was this one produced as the like the 300th episode like did they actually gussy up the script to add blink 182 and stuff when they knew that this was gonna be 300 did was this changed in any way do you know it, it seems to me like they had no plans to celebrate in, in a big way. I mean, maybe in the press would be like, can you believe it? 300 episodes. But it feels like this was just going to be the one that was going to air that night. And because of that, it was given the honor of being 300th. I think they definitely went for the celebs, though. For, for the, I mean, this is their eh, second most star-studded one this season i guess but also it's built around like yeah it feels like it's them trying to be youthful again and really go for a the younger demographic than uh, even like me and bob were aged as original simpsons fans uh in 2003 yeah it kind of just feels like when i was watching it where i was like this feels like just a regular simpsons episode but there's such a tonal shift that i just like sensed somewhere that there was like some kind of inter like interference going on in the background where they like changed course halfway through where they have to write the whole script you know so i don't know how much they can really change to the scheduling but just felt like something was being pulled in a different direction and i was wondering if the 300th was the reason why yeah it seems like blink 182 really uh got screwed out of having bigger roles because they they have very few lines one of the blink 182s doesn't even talk 
And then if you watch the extras, <laughs> you will see the recording of the episode, a little segments of it, and none of the lines that are in that segment made it to the episode. Mm-hmm. In their defense, Travis Barker was a bad actor. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Henry, uh, the man survived a plane crash. <laughs> No, I know. <laughs> I'm they, kidding. I'm kidding. They've all been through a lot. The 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 blinkers. Um, yes. <laughs> now, uh, before though, uh, I did want to follow up on something we talked about last time when we had Jim Zahn has been in the news lately. But so I I think I'd seen you mention it before on on one of your videos, uh, Jim's. But when you were last on, we had a little aside about does Homer strangle Bart anymore or not? Mm-hmm. And then you did the great video, jerk ass Homer is dead, exploring that idea too. And now it was all in the discourse this year after the the Simpsons made a, a joke about it on the show. What what do you think about that? Oh my gosh, this discourse. Can I can I have my little platform right now? Oh please. Oh, yes. Okay. So like ninety five percent of America doesn't give a shit about the Simpsons. They don't watch it. They don't care about what's airing in season thirty five. If they did, season thirty five would be, have really great ratings. That's first of all. So like all these people who went on Twitter and, like, freaked out about it and, like, retweeted the article. It's like, first of all, shame on you. Shame for not watching The Simpsons. How dare you guys? This 35-year-old show. So, like, <laughs> like first of all, you guys don't care. So, like, don't pretend like you're that mad about it. But then second of all, like you referred to just now, he hasn't strangled Bart in, like, four years or three years. I think it's, like, season 31 or 32. So, like, nobody was missing it. Like, nobody even noticed, like... The only, the only people who noticed were, like, no Homer's message board people and me, you know? Mm-hmm. I Basically, all the diehard Simpsons fans, you know? Like, because they're paying attention to this kind of thing. So, they're the only, only ones who noticed. So, the only reason this whole thing blew up was because they referenced it. And I guess if they wanted to start a discourse, then they definitely got what they wanted. But the whole thing did get on my nerves a little bit. Because I was just like... Like, I get the argument, but, like, literally no one gives a shit out there. Like, in the general pop culture sphere. Yeah, it's definitely... Uh, manufactured outrage just uh, as with many topics like let's say uh, women's sports there's people that never cared about them before until they knew they could write an article Mm-hmm. Yeah, and or the, make a video or make a tweet and the other thing is like how many Bart strangling gags do you really need like I like the gag it's fun to mix in occasionally but like how many more spins on the joke can you realistically do mm-hmm. yeah they, I we we just did the one it comes out next week but we just recorded the one for Lisa's first word and when we saw Homer strangle a at best 18 month old Bart we're just like wow this this is a bit much <laughs> to me I mean it just became something I I never thought about and it's only funny when it's acknowledged by characters like Marge saying you should be strangling yourself and then in um, the behind the music parody behind the laughter um, Homer says like oh and that horrific act of child abuse became a trademark of our show just kind of underlining how this kind of content should not be taking place but we all just accept it because it's their cartoon characters yes now we are in the era of meta strangling gags I think Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, just in the Thanksgiving episode that just aired, Bart strangles Homer again in that one. So they they do still do the reverse strangling, as also seen in this episode, too. Yes, the future that we all want is a future in which Bart is strangling Homer most of the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which which uh, an attempt is made in this episode. Oh, no, actually, it happens in this episode, but I don't know if we can count it if it's the uh, if the, the hands aren't involved. Bart usually needs help. It's true. Yeah, it's a strangling by proxy. So I did want to talk about the uh, writer of this episode. Uh, we normally do a writer's corner without the guest, but because this one is so brief, uh, real Jim's is along for the ride as we talk about 
Andrew Kreisberg. You might have heard his name before. You might have seen it in the news in 2017. So we already covered this guy on our Talking Mission Hill podcast series. And if you heard that, you would know that he was basically me too out of existence in 2017. He was one of the first big names. And then all the dominoes fell, as they should have. So that's really all you need to know about him. And it sounds like he really hasn't reformed because in, uh, in March of 2023... He was arrested for the same behavior that got him canceled, and it happened at a bar mitzvah. So uh, I don't want to bum anyone out. Look it up for yourself. But I did see his lawyer say something like, my client is neurodivergent. How dare you? So I guess that's the defense he's going with. But if you want to know about his time with The Simpsons, he was an algene hire at the beginning of season 13 with She of Little Faith. He stayed to the end of production season 14. And then I don't know what his deal was. I don't know why he didn't want to stay. But he seemingly left the show to become a writer and producer on the Faith Ford and uh, Kelly Ripa sitcom Hope and Faith. So that's where he went. And then all the superhero stuff came after that. And then you can read about what happened. So that is Andrew Kreisberg. Wow. I have never heard of this guy in my life. And now would you give me that description? Now, like what a tantalizing description where I'm like, what the hell happened at a synagogue? So I know what I'm going to be doing after this. Mm-hmm. We, we sent all of our fans on a, on a Google hunt now. But yeah, I didn't know really who he was because uh, when I heard the news about him, I was like, people expect me to know what this Arrowverse thing is. And then <laughs> yes. I learned it was a big deal. Well, fortunately, David Zaslav has killed the Arrowverse at this point, so you don't have to care anymore. Oh, thank so. God. As well as everything else. <laughs> yes, all things. He killed all things. Anything that could be good or might not even be good. But yeah, it's... <laughs> and I think this this is his only episode of the show, his only credited episode. Of course, he was a writer for um, two production seasons, but this might be his only one, I think. I think so. It's pretty big to hand him the 300th episode, I gotta say. Like, that's pretty, pretty nuts. You would think it would go to, you know, well... Of course, Carolyn Omine actually wrote the 300th episode. We don't need to keep harping on this, but still, I don't think there's like an actual bonus involved or whatever giving in the 300th, but it still is a big status thing to give a young guy. But I guess uh, up to 2017, he did go on to become a pretty big name in entertainment. Like he had a bigger career post Simpsons than most writers around this time. Yeah, that kind of adds credence to my theory of they didn't really know what they were doing in terms of their scheduling when you say that. I think in Strong Arms of the Ma doesn't really feel like a 300th either. <laughs> Though I guess does uh, Seymour Skinner's Badass Song feel like a 100th episode? It's a perfect episode, but it doesn't feel like a 100th like event episode. I, I will uh, correct myself uh, just to jump in here. Andrew Kreisberg did write one of the segments of Tales from the Public Domain. It was the Odysseus segment, so that's the other thing he did, and it's seemed like they started writers out by doing a segment of a treehouse of horror or one of these trilogy episodes before they would graduate to writing a full episode at this point in the show's history that's why those trilogy episodes are always the best of the season mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm looking forward to uh, the wettest stories ever told coming soon uh, i just watched that for the season 17 video and i was like wow i still barely remember this episode uh so jims do you recall where you were when this 300th episode uh, aired Oh, God. Um, Well, I know I would have been in high school, but I don't know what I was doing specifically at the time. Do either of you guys remember? I remember I checked in on the show. I was definitely there that night, and it was a big night because apparently uh, there was more than one new episode that night. And then I know I had to have watched that Married with Children reunion. If you pull it up on uh, the commercial, you'll see. You'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember this. Because I think they might film a new in-universe scene. Like, it's not... It's more of just like interviews and stuff, but 
they bring them to the set like the whole cast is back on the set i I forget if they get in costume for it or not yeah if i recall it was sort of like the friends reunion except they were on the set of married with children friends they reconstructed the set for that oh they did i I apologize (laughs) r.i.p matthew perry yeah now it's a much more sad uh special than it used to be but no i i remember uh definitely had the feeling of like wow the simpsons at 300 how much longer can it go was the feeling then and now <laughs> this is not even the halfway point of how many episodes of the show there are <laughs> yeah if you if you look up that uh that very uh small extra on the dvd it's just basically a pr package a video package about the 300th episode matt Groening is like you know when i created these characters in 87 i had no idea i'd be talking about them in 2003 could you imagine <laughs> and now we're about to roll over into 2024 and uh i, I think he I, I mean i'm pretty sure matt Groening says the same thing every year you talk to him because uh who, who could have guessed yeah i was thinking at the end of the episode there's a flash forward 50 years to nelson laughing at homer's grave and it really made me wonder if like the show's still gonna be on 50 years from this episode's airing at this point with with sophisticated ai voices <laughs> uh no I, you know i was thinking they're on the 100th episode the closest they had to a really reflective thing was the opening Wonder Years parody of, you know, Marge says, what if people are laughing at this years from now? And he's like, not likely. That was the most like reflective joke they had in that. I, I do also remember the marketing blitz for it, going to stores and seeing them on the cover of like everything. I pulled up several things for it too, if you guys want to hear some of the some of the rollout they did for it. One of the big ones was they did a ton of interviews in Variety, including one with the brand manager at Fox, who was really talking about like how they made more money on merchandise for simpsons in 2002 than they did in 1990 wow wow yeah and i mean uh, we talked about it on the show before but that was a period of a big new rollout of merch that Mm -hmm. we all lived through yeah i think it it started in 99 or so is when it began again that's when the simpsons got like new video game deals for instance and i i think it was helped by south park being a big hit showed them that there was an adult animation dork market that they could sell to to all of us and and make billions did they count dvd sales in there because this is 2003 right so the dvds have started rolling out yes dvd they said the dvd sales were a big chunk of that they even had a cool aside with uh with graining talking about how he felt the dvd commentaries and extras were key to the success of those and he was very committed to them which i was like yeah and now now that the dvd special feature is dead um <laughs> essentially it, it made me sad reading about it now i guess we'll see if they get around to uh redoing season 20 Mm, god uh, look not so good yeah no you're right it's sad but uh so so they had that they had an entire tv guide uh cover and special articles in it that that's on the dvd you can read archived of it where they write uh, what me and bob both agree is a pretty flimsy article that the guy probably got the writer probably got paid a lot of money to do it was just part of his $100,000 salary to write uh, 400 words about uh, reference four yeah. times Homer met God or that God was involved in the yeah. show. Uh, and also on uh, the February 10th, if you got a special invite, you could go to the Santa Monica Civic Auditorium for food, fun, and carnival games to celebrate the 300th episode. But beware, you uh, must present a photo ID. I did read that uh, very carefully. Oh. <laughs> 
And Matt Groening also drew a fun picture of Bart as as if he had aged in real time with stubble and smoking a cigarette, which was a funny drawing, too. It's just as depressing as the Bart's in the real future in this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and also, I found one more thing that came out the, the week this aired, uh, which was a very controversial thing in the Simpsons nerd fandom and one that got referenced on a number of commentaries. There have been a lot of top whatever lists of Simpsons ones, but this one really stuck the Entertainment Weekly top 25 because uh bob i think you remember what the number one was on this one yes it's uh it's last exit to springfield correct Mm -hmm. oh wow that was then yes actually so now that we have a fellow simpsons scholar on our show i do want to ask real gems about that because i feel like uh and i've talked about this before it's felt like conventional wisdom that last exit to springfield was the number one for a very long time but i think it has really fallen in the eyes of both fans and the general public. Uh, Jims, have you noticed the same thing? I don't know. I feel like it's still way up there, don't you think? Because I would probably put it way up there myself. Um, but I don't know. Like, I agree, though. It's interesting that you bring it up because I've, like, that seems like a very influential list that they made because people still refer. Like, I feel like that list, like, put Last Exit Springfield on the map. Because I remember everyone was kind of surprised. They're like, this episode, the Union episode, and then everybody watched it and they're like, yeah, it's great, you know, and everybody just kind of surrounded around it. But I feel like it's still way up there. Like, what do you think has surpassed it for fans? Like, uh, you only move twice and Cape Fear and stuff? Yeah, I think that, like, I mean, obviously Mr. Plow, although I'm sure Mr. Plow's in the top five of that list to begin with. Uh, Lisa's Wedding, things like that. When we get to the commentary, we'll cover this episode again, obviously, but the commentary, they seem kind of befuddled, like, you think this is the best we could do? When they're laughing at, you know, a joke that's been rewritten a thousand times or, you know, something built out of ADR and reused footage and things like that. But yeah, I, I feel like people do remember Dental Plan, Lisa Needs Braces, but I feel like other episodes now stand well above the stature of that episode today it is near the top of my personal season four list but i do like i like mr plow and i like monorail and i like uh, if we're counting production season four i count i i like cape fear more as well and no last day springfield is hilarious but i never thought of it as even potentially the number one among my friends either until that list like it always was like oh it must be i think it was either mr plow or also maybe the baseball one uh, mm. homer at the bat because it just was the famous one everybody remembered okay I think I put Last Sega Springfield as number one on that list, so I think it is my favorite, to be honest, but I think I might just be an Entertainment Tonight sheep. I think the more I think about it now, <laughs> but I, it is, it is a really good episode. I think the other factor is like, maybe like just because the end of season four is a little bit of a slog, like no offense season four, but like it stands out so much among the like margin chains of the world, you know, in that era. So like, maybe that's why mm. it punches really hard for me. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. I guess it does stand out above like whacking day in the front and a yeah. few others like that. Like, disc four of my DVDs doesn't get a lot of use, except for, like, Last Exit of Springfield. And I guess the finale, Krusty gets canceled. Uh, just just so folks know, the the uh, the top five on the 25, I reread the whole thing, uh, which was Last Exit to Springfield, number one. Then number two is Rosebud. Number three is Cape Fear. Number four is Monorail. And number five is Homer's Phobia. Hmm. And okay. Also, I, I mean, Homer's Phobia, I, hey, I love Homer's Phobia. That does feel that does feel like a little, maybe they were like, well, they can't all be from the same like six month period. <laughs> we should pick one that's not from that time. Yeah, You Only Move Twice was right there. Come on, guys. You know, that was a hated, I feel like that was, 
especially, you know, three, they were still, the show was doing it. And I feel like there was a little more animosity towards the Bill and Josh's weird episodes back then, mm-hmm. which I think is too, uh, definitely harsh they were doing then. Oh, and also the uh, two other facts about that list. Strummer Vacation is the only one in the top 25 that came out post-1997. So they, <laughs> of all the then new episodes, they put uh, this, How I Spent My Strummer Vacation. And then they also had an aside for Worst Episode Ever. And this one really surprised me. It was Bart to the Future. Hmm. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I vaguely remember that being called out, even over things like uh, Alone Again, Natural Diddly, which perplexed me a bit. I'm not a big Bart to the Future fan, but there's yeah. funnier stuff and it doesn't change the canon forever. Yeah. They could have yes. done a lot worse because at least they did pick a pretty bad episode, I think. So I, I can see that one, I guess. You know, I still, in that one, I at least like what a great loser Bart is in it. Like he's a very accurate loser. But yeah, I mean, it's low on my list of they're predicting the future ones that's yeah. for sure i guess it went from the most hated episode or you know in their estimation to one of the most famous episodes as of 2016 <laughs> oh well, yes now right god uh for a second i had forgotten how it was key to the uh so we did an entire live show about it how annoying it is we don't need to rehash <laughs> these things but oh and sorry two more bits from other articles i saw one it was that it reminded me that at this time i hated nobody more than George W. Bush, and I, I still don't like him. But I remembered being annoyed reading in multiple of them, Mac Rating say, we just don't know how to make fun of George <laughs> W. Bush. And I was like, how dare, I remember feeling then, how dare they hold back on the, on making fun of George W. Bush. It took them like three seasons. Like it didn't start to show up until like season 15, where they even like said anything even remotely like satirical about like the environment at the time it was a really cowardly stance i guess is what i'd say i i totally agree but it did feel like a monkey's paw when they wouldn't make fun of george w bush but then they're like we'll make fun of trump all day and you're like please no more <laughs> yeah <laughs> this isn't helping and lastly the as we we were used to for years after that they would talk about like when will simpsons pass bonanza but back then the one people would talk about was they only need 135 more episodes to surpass Ozzy and Harriet because that was the sitcom record holder for the longest time of 435 episodes, which I think Family Guy is close to surpassing that themselves now, I hmm. think. Wow, Family Guy should do an Ozzy and Harriet reference. They must have done they must have done an Ozzy and Harriet one by now. Okay, they're at 416. So Ooh. after the next season, I believe they will yeah, I believe they got a 20 episode order. So the next season, they're going to beat it. Everyone's running laps around Ozzy and Harriet. <laughs> The Simpsons will be right back. Fox Tonight brings you the year's most extraordinary night of television. First, it's the 90-minute Simpsons celebration featuring the all-new 300th episode. I can't count how many times your father's done something crazy like this. It's 300, Mom. Then, relive the laughs. It was a joy to do that. And feel the love. I want sex. So do I, but I see no reason to drag you into it. On the Married with Children reunion, be a part of TV history at a special time, 7.30 tonight on Fox. Say it ain't so. It's Henry Gilbert here saying thank you for listening to our 302nd 
chronological exploration of The Simpsons on Talking Simpsons. And a big thank you to our guest this week, The Real Jims. Please check out his awesome YouTube channel if you want in-depth dives into a bunch of interesting bits of Simpsons history, timelines for a bunch of characters, reviews of multiple seasons, and many Simpsons mysteries explored. Jims has a great channel for any Simpsons freaks out there like us, and we always love having Jims back on to talk about episodes like this one. So thank you so much again, Jims, for coming on the show. We'd love to have you back. And if you've enjoyed us for the 300 plus episodes we have gone through chronologically on Talking Simpsons, you should know me and Bob can only do this as our full-time jobs because of supporters at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. Five dollar and up subscribers there not only get to help me and Bob, but they also get tons of exclusive stuff. You can hear next week's episodes of Talking Simpsons right now with another great guest. You can also hear a monthly episode of Talking Futurama and Talk King of the Hill, us going through both Futurama and King of the Hill super in-depth just like we do an episode of the simpsons if you signed up now you'd have over 150 episodes available to you not just us covering futurama and king of the hill but also every episode of the critic every episode of mission hill and many of our favorite episodes of batman the animated series you need to sign up today to see it all for yourself just go over to patreon.com slash talking simpsons to see it all But if you want something even nicer than a loft party with the Tony Hawk, then you need to sign up at the $10 level at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Premium subscribers there. They get all those things you just heard me talking about for $5 and up, people. But then, oh boy, you get even better stuff because you get our monthly What a Cartoon movie podcast. This premium podcast has us covering animated feature films for four, five, or even six hours long. Just last month, we got into the holiday spirit covering The Muppet Christmas Carol, one of me and Bob's all-time favorite films. We talked for five hours about the making of that and going scene by scene, chatting through the whole movie. At the end of this month, you're going to hear us go into a Disney modern classic, The Emperor's New Groove, which also has a very complicated history in it. And we delve into the many things that helped it come to fruition. If you sign up now, you get over 60 What a Cartoon movies. And again, these are super full length, mega long podcasts. Everything from Akira to a goofy movie, Beavis and Butthead do the universe to Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And our longest podcast ever, six and a half hours about who framed roger rabbit and our what about the south park movie also about as long as that as well and so many more please please i'm telling you you don't know what you are missing please 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 i implore you see everything that you could be getting right now at patreon.com slash talking simpsons But, uh, but yeah, so that was all of the bonanza of ads uh, for celebrating the 300th episode. And yeah, I just remember feeling a little old when uh, when it came out. And uh, and now now that it's 20 years old, oh boy. <laughs> well, time makes fools of us all. Yep, as, as Fry so brilliantly said. You know, the DVD commentary, by the way, it's one of my least favorite types of DVD commentaries where I appreciate that Al Jean, I think he or or others on it, worked hard to get on the famous people and so they could talk to the famous people about being on it. They got on Tony Hawk. Oh, no. Yeah, it's Tony Hawk and Mark Hoppus. And so that's all they do. They're just talking to them. There's almost no talk about the production of the episode. And you know what? There are 11 people on the commentary in total. That is too many, regardless of who's there. I should have been Al Jean, mm-hmm. the director, and maybe those two guys, because uh, Andrew Kreisberg, the writer, not there. So 
Yeah. I don't know what all these other people are doing. Maybe there's like it's it's nicely catered. I've I've heard that about the commentary sessions. Sounds nice, yeah. Do they even like did they at least talk about like the production aspect at all? Like did did at least Tony Hawk talk about how he got approached for this? I learned more about it from reading a uh, an article on Bro Bible about an about a podcast he did much later about how he got. So. I read my Bro Bible every night. Thank you, Bro Bible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, so like the only other bit of information I got from watching that thing on the extras, uh, the little PR puff piece was Tony Hawk saying, I love the Simpsons way back to Tracy Ullman. So he's an OG Tracy Ullman Simpsons fan. Mm -hmm. I will say I've heard only good things about Tony Hawk from people who have met him when we used to work in the video games uh, space. I never only co-workers like interviewed him for his video games, but they all said like, wow, he's the nicest celebrity ever. And he comes off very nice on this, uh, on the commentary too. Mark Hoppus, more of a, of a goofball, but mm. you know what? He's, he's a professional punk. Of course he's going to be a goofball, barely answering questions. And I don't know if Tony Hawk does this now, but his Twitter account used to be very funny in which he would mainly tweet accounts of people seeing him in public and saying, you look like Tony Hawk. And he'd be like, <laughs> I am Tony Hawk. And they would say, no, no, you're old and ugly. Tony Hawk's young and he skateboards or a TSA agent saying, oh, Tony Hawk, like the guy. And he's like, I am the guy. And they won't believe him. So it's the misery of living Tony Hawk's life via tweets is what you can experience. Yeah, Tony Hawk is awesome. I see him on like actually the most I see of Tony Hawk is that meme of like the the guy pointing the gun at him, like where you have to kill Tony Hawk when the riots start. You know, what does he say? He says, uh, I appreciate the hesitation. So I, I feel like I see <laughs> oh, yes, that more yes. than actual Tony Hawk these days. I love, uh, it, well, I believe it's Wesley Snipes in the picture. And then later in life, he met Wesley Snipes. And was just like, guys, I survived. <laughs> but again, the commentary, they have a couple jokes where they reveal like, oh, this, they, they reveal some things were like, oh, this was a late animation edition. And I was like, boy, that was a lot of work for a bad joke. There's I a lot of ADR uh, for this era too, I noticed. But yeah, I guess uh, we'll start with the, the episode proper. Compared to the 750th episode intro where they put in 750 characters this anniversary uh opening the only thing they really change is bart smashing the chalkboard otherwise even the couch gag is not really a celebratory anniversary couch gag yeah it's more of a christmas theme i guess what is up with that like chalkboard gag i just have to ask about it every time i see it it's like weirdly disturbing like i expect there's like this other like opening sequence where like everybody basically dies where they're like dying their way through the credits and i always kind of think it's going to be that one even though that one's like an hd one but like what is like why did they make it so like sinister like why it, it feels like the writers channeling their anger over having to write that many of those jokes of course not every episode has a chalkboard gag but they find it uh, by this point impossible to do, but they're still doing it now. It seems extra creepy to me because he writes, I will not a bunch of times in a row instead of like, it feels like something got miscommunicated because he should have just written, I will not once and then smash it because he wouldn't write, I will not, I will not, I will not. He'd, he would write, I will not spin the turtle or whatever the joke was. And then he'd write that again. He wouldn't just write, I will not. That, that also just seems like a weird delivery of that joke to me. 
Yeah, I kind of really like it though, just because it's so weird. Like we're like you said, the joke doesn't really read for some reason, so it just comes off as sinister and weird. And I kind of like how tonally dissonant it is from just the rest of the credits, which are just regular like normal. And uh, so then we yes, we have a, a gingerbread house couch gag <laughs> doesn't really make sense to watch on like uh, basically Valentine's Day. This was uh, around Valentine's Day. They should have stuck in the circus couch gag. Just for the oh, sake yeah. of celebration, we we uh, we are going to cover the uh, inception of that pretty soon. Yeah, but uh, oh, also, yeah, I shared with Bob the the Variety had uh, Matt Groening's lawyers congratulating him, and the text on it I tweeted it out too is just like basically every uh, free font pack and just saying like we congratulate Matt Groening on three hundred amazing zany <laughs> episodes of The Simpsons. Almost uh, leaned into Joker Man fonts there. But if you ever wanted to know Matt Groening's law firm, then uh, we've—it's not a funny law firm name like the one in this episode. We start with Lisa imagining herself winning a prize, at, at specifically the uh, the Kennedy Center Honors. Well, first off, we've got Ornette Coleman, uh, a jazz legend, passed away in 2015. We got Arthur Miller, who passed away in 2005. We got Walter Cronkite, who passed away in 2009. They are rolling the dice, having all these old men referenced in in a gag here. Well, I can tell you who was just honored, I believe, on December 3rd of this year. Uh, so according to the Kennedy Center Honors website, there is uh, actor and comedian Billy Crystal, acclaimed soprano Renee Fleming, British singer-songwriter, producer, and member of the Bee Gees Barry Gibb, rapper, oh. singer, and actress Queen Latifah, and singer Dionne Warwick. So I would say out of all of those, Queen Latifah seems a little too young, but I'm guessing she's probably like 60 at this point. Yeah, actually, she's been around a while. Yeah, I, that was the one that gave me the most pause. Not that she hasn't done lots of great stuff, but like Dionne Warwick, that seems to... Well, actually, no, of course, Billy Crystal... It's fun to make fun of Billy Crystal being, uh, being like not funny, but he he is a very established guy. Everybody knows him. He's famous and well-known. He's been doing comedy for a million years. We get it. Yeah, I would expect Queen Latifah to be honored this year, not 20 years ago at the Kennedy Center's. No, yeah. Oh, this is this year. Uh, these are the 2023 honors. Oh, I'm yes. so sorry. I thought you meant 20 yes. years ago. They were already honoring no. Queen Latifah. Okay, my bad. In fact, I, I should have looked up who was honored in 2003, but I did not. I am sorry. Oh, actually, I got that one. Okay. Uh, that was James Levine, Cheetah Rivera, who was a, um, a Broadway performer, James Earl Jones, previous Simpsons guest, Elizabeth Taylor, previous Simpsons guest, mm. and Paul Simon, who I don't think has done the show. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say he he was the guy in Deep Space Homer, but that's uh, that's the other like hippie back then. That's James Taylor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I will say, uh, you know, I'm on board 300th episode celebration. What takes me out of it is, oh, you, that's just the joke from Wayne's World, um, and you should be aware oh, of this. I had to. I shook my head at like, wait, are, The Simpsons is definitely above quote. Like you can quote, we're not worthy, and then have somebody say, oh, that's lame. Like how. Mo dressed up as as Austin Powers and then they arrest him because they're yes. like you can't do that reference. That's fine. But th there's no joke to this one though. Yeah, there should have been some twist on uh that joke. I mean, we're not going to analyze every joke, but I feel like this is a bad way to get started in this episode. I think mm -hmm. the explanation is that Lisa's subconscious is very hacky. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then I expect better of Lisa's subconscious then. Well, also, you know, another thing that feels like a difference in this time, Lisa is about to harangue people about a societal ill, but she doesn't get to name what it is. I feel like in another season, she'd have at least gotten to say, you know, chemical weapons plants in Syria or something like that, that she'd be complaining about. 
I'd like to thank Marge for waking her up right now to save us from Lisa's ego at this point. <laughs> Maybe it's because we're recording this in the holiday season, but when Cronkite goes, she knows my name and, and uh, jumps away, it reminds me of when Rudolph goes like, she thinks I'm cute. Mm. He should have flown off the stage, I think. <laughs> Rudolph <laughs> flo- just true. floated away. <laughs> Lisa is woken up by Marge and uh, Marge makes a joke about the low ratings for the Kennedy Center Honors. Uh, and so just to let you know, this year's one in 2002 had 7.2 million viewers, as opposed to this Simpsons, which the rest of the season kind of averaged out at 13 million. But because this was an event night, this got 21 million viewers. Hmm. So it did have three times the viewership of it. Seven million. Uh, I think someone would just wipe out an entire classroom of students for that many viewers, period. <laughs> for sure. And they thought about it. <laughs> well, Last year's got 5.34 million. It actually had a bump up in ratings, which was credited to an appearance by uh, President Biden and Borat. They were both on the show. Wait a minute. So you're saying that they went from 7 million viewers all the way back then to 5 million today? Like they only lost 2 million viewers over all that time? Yeah, The Simpsons with an NFL lead in this week, uh, it got 7.5 million. That's with NFL boost. So that's that's how high The Simpsons gets these days. Soon enough, I guess if if, uh, if these trends continue, as Disco Stu would say, then, then the Kennedy Centers are going to surpass The Simpsons in ratings. Boy, uh, Kropopolis is really getting that bump as well, I bet. <laughs> I, uh, yes, yeah. Well, everybody loves uh, the NFT TV show, don't they? Everyone is that still it. the NFT TV show or did they stop doing that i I, know, I think they uh, they gently backed out of that idea but i think the nft angle was why they bought a three season sight unseen uh, okay right. also because fox is trying to get rid of disney i think at this point yeah i think or at the very least like keep only the shows they make of it but yeah so marge tells him it's time to do spring cleaning homer scooching his butt on the floor that's that made me laugh it's a it, it's it's catalogical but i <laughs> it was funny it was a funny his pants are on yeah also again to mark how long the show's been on they have a joke about feral furbies which is like the show is much older than furbies but now it's been on long enough that furbies are old and they can have a joke about them going feral furbies are back they're the hottest christmas toy now right they uh well i saw uh the getting a jewel encrusted furby in in uncut gems was a very cool thing (laughs) (laughs) hey but that was five years ago right are we talking about now I guess that was before the pandemic, wasn't it? Yes. That's right. Yeah. We've got to be true. in peak Furby nostalgia, right? Like everything turn of the millennium is hot now. We like we got to be we got to be there again. It's time to invest in Furbies. Also, speaking of marking the time, uh, after we have a Mad Libs joke, then the the Pam and Tommy sex tape was was relatively was getting a little old then, but sex tapes in general, I think, were still a big part of the conversation then, and people finding. I think even the Pam and Tommy sex tape was sold as like it was like stolen from their garage, uh, though locked up in a in a vault as well. But boy, I do not like that Bart is excited to find it. That that joke is me. I it makes me gross feel gross yeah it, it's a good joke about lisa are you you think you're well adjusted like that's a really good line but at the same time it's like bart come on like like no 10 year old boy would want to look at this uh i mean I, I don't like the lead up to all this but i did laugh at every tape is pumpkin carving <laughs> okay that i love so much because I, it's my favorite joke in the episode because one margin homer get dirty they write that on a tape then the writers think of this perfect thing of like, if you are thinking sex acts are on screen, you are hearing the sound of pumpkin carving, which could sound like sex acts. And then they are saying things, including like, watch the teeth. 
which is him saying to uh, be careful how you carve teeth out of this jack-o'-lantern, mm-hmm. which is... So, it's a very clever use of double entendre. They worked very hard. Yes. Hey, a box of old videotapes. Marge and Homer get dirty. Hey, Lise, think you're well-adjusted? I've got something to show you. I can't believe you talked me into this. It's such a mess. Oh, watch the teeth. Don't go telling your buddies at work about this. Every tape is pumpkin carving. Hey, what's this? Bart sad. If I ever needed proof of the existence of God, here it is. <laughs> Balky, you're dancing in the toilet. <laughs> what, you never heard the flush dance? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect strangers will return after these commercials. I like the idea that they're all eating popcorn on the floor. Like they've clearly been watching four or five tapes at this point. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, they, that also Marge and Homer would tape every time they carved pumpkins. And also that Marge is saying to Homer, like, you better not brag to your friends at work about this. <laughs> and she's filming together. it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good gag. Mm-hmm. I do like that. But, uh, but this is when they make the discovery of the episode. And this is the second time this season that uh, uh, the plot hinges on the kids watching a VHS tape. <gasps> what horrible breath. He's the baby whose mouth smells like death. Run for your life, it's baby stink breath. (laughs) Oh my god, that's me! (gasps) This isn't Bart's sad, it's Bart's ad. Wait, I was in a commercial? I don't remember this at all. No more baby stink breath. Thanks to the Baby So Fresh Tri-Patch System, these soothing chemical patches alter your baby's DNA while leaving the RNA untouched. Aww. <laughs> Not safe for babies under two. <laughs> your baby stink breath, your baby stink breath. En français, vous êtes l'enfant stink breath. Aww, Maggie uh, even says it. Stay tuned to the end of the episode for that Harry Shearer annou- announcer once again. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I've missed the part of the beginning there in the clip, but uh, that that it's during an episode of Perfect Strangers, which that show was still on the air up to 1993. So it was a contemporary of The Simpsons and now is being treated as it's so old. Bart was a baby when uh, when it was on. Yeah, I guess at this point, Bart uh, was born in 93. Uh, yeah, 93. No, Jim's you're a uh, we've we've been referencing you a few times when talking about the canonical ages and then your recent great video about how homer is officially a millennial now and older than lisa or younger than lisa yeah i think that video was my uh struggling with my own personal age i'm getting close to homer's age at this point it was my midlife crisis video but yeah uh i think he's a millennial now and what are bart and lisa i guess they would be are they gen alpha or no they're zoomers i think i I think they would be gen alpha I, i think now zoomers are too old Oh, to that's be, right. uh, 10 and 8. So, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, James, once you hit uh, 39, it's all <laughs> one hell of a toboggan ride is what I'll say. So you <laughs> yeah. get used to it. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, and also to play joke analyst here, once again, they're clearly watching a rerun of Perfect Strangers from the 80s. And I imagine that uh, Ernie Sabella is their mean boss at the antique store because Balky's referencing fl- uh, Flashdance. <laughs> so it is not an episode from 1993 when they're living in the house with their with their wives. Exactly. Yes, Man, the, you're right. The show yeah. was soft rebooted twice. <laughs> That's so funny. 
Uh, well, I guess partially what because they lost one of their uh, main supporting actors to Family Matters, right? So that was part of their reboot. Oh, oh, I think that was an intentional loss. And you know what? She wasn't really a major fixture on the show. Okay. You're thinking of Harriet Winslow. The uh, Well, I, I do think Flushdance, it's not a funny joke, but it is a good writing for a Balky joke. Balky would have said that kind of corny line in an episode of Perfect Strangers. In the 80s and in the 90s, Hank Azaria would have played that kind of ethnically ambiguous character, <laughs> much like he's playing uh, Balky. I, I wonder if he and Bronson Pinchot have a support group. <laughs> you know, recently, this new season of Our Flag Means Death, they have a two-episode appearance of a scary new pirate in the world. And when the episode was over, my husband said to me, like, you know who that was, right? I was like, no. And he's like, as Bronson Pinchot, like he, he 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 was so good, I forgot it was Balky in the in the show. He did a very very good job. He's Bronson Pinchot is actually like a good funny actor who who should not just be called Balky by people like me who call him Balky still. Yeah, I I've I've very very vaguely remember Perfect Stranger. I think it's like one of the, my very first TV memories when I was like four or five, just watching Balky, you know, on TV, which was which is what we called it. So. Yeah, that reference goes a little bit over my head, just a little. Like, have you guys watched Perfect Strangers, like, as adults? Does it, like, this is a dumb question, but does it hold up by the standards of that time? You know, I have seen clips of it, and I feel that uh, I I do want to watch some as an adult. Uh, uh, Often, well, not often, uh, uh, sometimes my wife and I will bring up Perfect Strangers and have fond memories. But I do feel like uh, (laughs) Mark Lynn Baker and Bronson Pinchot had really, really good chemistry, and it was just fun to see them together in scenes, regardless of how bad the writing was like just great physical comedy great odd couple energy between the two guys so i think it it stood above the full houses and step by steps and what have you of that uh kind of programming yeah i think they were two of the better actors on tgif especially together and you know what uh marklin baker he was also on that uh the aforementioned she hulk tv show and he was also really good on that and i you know they're it's they're both having real comebacks this year Mm -hmm. on the streaming networks also we have a joke about Butterfinger because the uh, the deal ended in 2001. That was when the last official Butterfinger commercial was. And uh, so now the show can make fun of it. Though this is less cruel than, um, say, the fire not wanting it. Yes. Yeah, I had to double check that this was after that joke. Like, they do end up re-signing with Butterfinger eventually, right? But this is before that? Actually, no. This was they so they had a break in the mid nineties and then were signed to a new one in the late nineties into oh one. But I believe they did not make a new deal again after that. Hmm. Okay, so this is just them doing them a solid one last time, I guess. Well, you know, in the uh in the Angry Dad episode, there's a deleted scene where Bart poisons him with the with a uh butterfinger like homer bites into a butterfinger he's like oh god i need to eat something else to get rid of this taste like he (laughs) they they they're very mean to butterfingers so yeah i guess it has been 20 years since the uh over 20 years since the sponsorship but whenever i see a butterfinger in the store i think simpsons so you know Mm -hmm. i guess they didn't need to pay for the simpsons then anymore i think of the simpsons and then i think ew i'm not getting that that too that too it's (laughs) like no I, i value my teeth you know, the the clever thing they're doing now is uh, their new deal is the Butterfinger Investigators. That's their new ads. And they still get to use 
a variation of Bart's thing. They now the ad is basically they're like detectives who stop people from stealing butterfingers from you, and their uh, end catchphrase on everyone is "No one lays a finger on your butterfinger." Hmm. Not as good. Yeah, definitely not. And also in the '80s commercial, I do like while well, leaving the RNA untouched. That's a good. <laughs> that's a good line too. <laughs> it is. It is a fun uh, product idea that's useless because. When you think of a baby's breath, you're never thinking of like the smell of rot and decay. Usually babies have very sweet breath because I mean that's why we have the flower, baby's breath. Just like, oh yeah. what a pleasant thing. So it's just serving no purpose and it's it's uh presumably giving your baby lots of cancer. I do wonder if like if it was partially inspired by the breath assure ads from the eighties that had a lot of like those same kind of like arrows moving around thing mm. of like, here's how it changes your breath. Though also I I don't think this is intentional as like an anniversary one. I don't mind the concept that Bart is basically made into a Macaulay Culkin child star type figure who then over time sues his parents for taking all his money because were Bart an actual human in 1990, by 2003, he would be Macaulay Culkin where Macaulay Culkin was in 2003, Mm. which was suing his family. And we can't even really do the Simpsons continuity argument either because, like, there's part of it where you're like, okay, well, when did this happen, like, in their history, you know? Like, were they living at the Simpsons house, etc.? You can go down that rabbit hole. But since all the money was squandered anyway, they can really just say it happened whenever they wanted at that point. So it's kind of it's kind of nice and convenient in that aspect, too. But uh, the, this is pulled from real-life stuff of the... I think more most directly they're referencing Macaulay Culkin, though I, I went to a whole list of celebrity kids who emancipated themselves, people like Drew Barrymore, Francis Bean, Aaron Carter, Corey Feldman, all for sad reasons. Yeah. Uh, but occasionally there's there's not sad ones like uh, Michelle Williams and Elijah Dusku did it, uh, apparently just so they could work more hours. Mm-hmm. They're like, eh, you know, if I, if I emancipate myself, I can, I can work as many hours as I want uh, as a 15-year-old. That's good. Yeah, I mean, uh, Corey Feldman was uh, the pioneer. I'm sure it happened before him, but I feel like he was the case that was talked about the most. And it happened in the mid 80s. So it it feels like they're a little late to this subject matter, to be fair. But then it also keeps happening throughout uh, perpetuity. So uh, it's never not topical then, I guess. Well, Macaulay Culkin specifically, his dad stole his money even more so, making it even a bigger connection to the Homer one. Uh, Though Also, another sad one I saw was that Courtney Love did that herself when she was a kid. And then her own daughter, Frances Bean, uh divorced her and so oh wow yes yeah most stories with francis bean and courtney love are not happy ones unfortunately (laughs) this is when bart learns what happened to his money that homer squandered it on a lot of unnamed things until then homer says it was to pay off a blackmailer which let's just say it was mo let's say that's who was blackmailing him (laughs) i want to believe that but and then we get a reference to something that was so topical i think this was a late edition uh they probably used retake budget on this because this event happens in November 2002. Episode goes live in February of 03. 
And this is when uh, Michael Jackson dangled Little Blanket over a balcony in Berlin in uh, November of 2002. So a uh, very notable thing that happened to Michael Jackson. And then a lot of more notable things happened in 2003. So we kind of forget about this. Mm. Yeah, this was the last major scandal regarding Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's them mocking their former guest star on the show. But I just, when I watch it now, I'm just like, ah, oh, man, this feels like them trying to be. Here's the thing. The Simpsons being topical doesn't always always work often doesn't work i'd even say if they want to be specifically topical to a thing that happened within a year of an episode airing they'll always be late to it and it also though maybe it was hurt by the fact that once south park happens they will definitely always be late to everything and they'll always seem behind to south park on referencing something directly from the news so i i kind of wish they didn't do that uh and this is one of my least favorite versions Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that that joke came in so late, just because I thought it worked pretty well how they actually did two jokes with it. Like they did the regular reference and then they added the reversal part where like he's catching him again. So like I thought the joke actually worked pretty well. So I'm surprised to hear that it was like literally what? like four months ago yeah super topical yeah it does feel like there's a bit of south park energy of course they, they would do late additions to episodes if if things in history changed or if something needed to be updated but uh this feels like oh uh this just happened it'd be great in this episode let's pay for a retake and jam it in there i do like the doing it backwards thing and any and also any joke about animated characters making things animate that's that's fun <laughs> yeah there was a part of me who actually did look at it because i'm a little suspicious sometimes when episodes seem to run short and this one did seem like it ran short so i actually looked i was like did they just reverse this and then just adr the mouth but no homer did like flip his hand backwards so it was in there in general homer is uh jerk ass homer is very much alive in this episode um like the the adr line of him saying and when you're 17 i'll know the end is near so i'll work you like a dog is like man homer sucks <laughs> hard in this one. Oh, he's just he's just kind of the worst in this episode but i have to say and this is going to sound really weird, but I actually did kind of enjoy what an asshole he is in this episode. Like, I th- I'm starting to wonder if I know what I want anymore, because now that we're in, like, the warm <laughs> teddy bear Homer, watching this episode where he's, like, like kind of aggressive about, like, what a jerk he is, it was kind of fun to see that edge to him again. Like, he wasn't, like, it wasn't, like, really extreme, like some of the Scully era extreme, but it was kind of fun seeing him really go at it with bart in this one you know it's interesting to compare it to that new thanksgiving episode where unlike in past ones they make clear like homer didn't do the wrong thing that caused all the problems he actually is being wrongfully blamed for the power outage in the town unlike when homer very intentionally puts a uh, silo of pig crap in the water mm-hmm. in the thanksgiving one they're like no no homer is innocent you you viewers can see this yeah everybody loves a good misunderstanding plot <laughs> and we're speaking of uh of the stranglings and we have a pretty brutal one here although uh, the rules have been reversed and it does remind me of that uh, episode the parent rap and i love when uh they're strangling each other with implements it seems even more brutal <laughs> did he like yes. collapse the the belt around did he like actually loop it like when i was watching i was like wow this is really brutal yeah, oh, he, yeah. he immediately grabbed like yanks off homer's belt loops it around his neck and start, starts yanking and then marge is strangling homer more as he, she's trying to pull bart off of him as bart is holding the belt do you guys feel like this was kind of a weird 
conflict to start this episode with where like homer has done so many bad things to bart over the years that it feels like it's kind of weird that they picked this as the last straw that like that homer like got his money and then like wasted it like that's the thing that pushes bart over the edge yeah you're totally right about that and i feel like the fallout of bart having been baby stink breath was not intense enough because at best we just saw nelson become aware of it and that's it bart did not suffer really any uh, problems from having made this commercial 10 years ago. Yeah, there's like, because he clearly feels embarrassed about it, but I like, I don't know, like the whole act one just goes really, really fast. They just got to get straight to Blink-182, you know? And like, yeah. like they go from baby stink breath, it's embarrassing, to like, where is my money? Now I'm going to like emancipate myself. And then they're like, like act one just goes like 50 miles an hour. Like we barely even did anything with the spring cleaning plot. I'm surprised they even put it in at all. Yeah, actually, Marge being a, a I completely forgot that cleaning was happening in this episode. That's, <laughs> you know, I also thought when they had the line about it changes the DNA, but leave the RNA untouched. I thought that was going to be part of Bart's lawsuit as well. And I knew of uh, somebody I worked with in, in my old job who was a child actor growing up. And I had to know him several years before he admitted, like, yes, I was in this one movie where I farted and it, I got made fun of the rest of my life because his character, not that he, like, did it by mistake. He's in a scene where they write, your character farts and his friends made fun of him for years and he did not tell other people about it for the longest time. I think I know who this is. And I think he's credited as farting kid in that movie. I believe he is farting kid in the movie. Yes, I don't want do your own research listeners i i won't go farther on this he might still be embarrassed by it after bart gives up on strangling he then goes to uh look for a lawyer or well no sorry he talks with millhouse under the tree first in a uh in a pretty shot it's a really we weird a shot too i gotta mention this shot i don't know why but why did they decide to set the scene in like a completely empty field with one tree like it's the weirdest framing ever it's oddly visually touching despite the subject matter yeah, I was like, what is this? The end of Majora's Mask? Like, why did you film I, this yeah. <laughs> Like, with w just one tree in the middle of nowhere? And then Nelson runs into another tree, which I was going to complain about. But it's really weird yeah. framing, I think. I was also thinking about Majora's Mask. Maybe uh, Andrew Kreisberg just played it and, and he wrote in the script, make sure they're sitting underneath a solitary tree in the middle of the field. I was also waiting to see uh, that like Millhouse was going to hit on Bart or something because I uh, I was reminded that, uh, Jims, you, you pointed out this season seems like several times Millhouse is about to come out to Bart uh, in this season. Oh, yeah. It was that uh, it was that joke where he had like something to tell him, you know, and he never really yes. got to. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> He, after learning that lawyers make people cry and we get a little bit more of Kirk, he, they had put a pin in Kirk, the sad divorce dad for a few years. But this season, this last year, these come back a bit, though I still believe it's because I think they're not as mean as they could be because I don't think Al Jean likes jokes about sad divorced parents. <laughs> well, they're on the, the way back to getting him back with Luann in the next year or the year after. I forget. It's coming up pretty soon, though. No, you're still a little ways away because they get back together in season 17 since I just covered okay, that, 17. In that chicken Got pox it. episode. Wow. So like, but it's, you're right, though, that like they barely do anything with the divorce once it's happened. We, we get like maybe like what, maybe two Kirk jokes a year. Mm -hmm. So it, it was kind of nice just seeing it here just to remind us that, oh, yeah, that did happen. 
The only other one I can remember in the last year of episodes we covered is when Apu is separated from Manjula and moves into the same place as Kirk, uh, where he's about to kill himself. And the joke is that Kirk just says, like, uh, boy, I'm <laughs> sad. There's also a joke where uh, Kirk, I think it's the um, uh, I Am Furious Yellow, where Kirk is there at career day and explaining how he's the understudy for the guy who puts leaflets under your windshield. Right, right. And then Milhouse says something about uh, his mom and her new boyfriend or something like that. I mean, they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're, it's a light touch on Kirk. Though, of course, they're still damaged by not having Luann around at this time. Luann appears on screen in this episode, but doesn't speak because... They still haven't, I mean, she's back a little bit, but they, they still aren't regularly giving uh, jobs to... Uh, Maggie Roswell? To Maggie Roswell again, yes. Thank you, Bob. But uh, then Bart decides to go to a lawyer himself, which again leads to several, several very silly jokes. I just wish there was some way to get back at my dad. When my mom wants to get back at my dad, she uses her lawyer. Does it make him cry? More than normal. Hey, son. <laughs> I've got tickets for the circus. <laughs> hmm. Badger, Haggle, and Bill. Love them and burn them family law. Hacky, joke, and done it. Bingo! I want a divorce from my parents. You are? I said I want a divorce from my parents. Yes, I heard you. I was just calling my secretary. You are? Give me the standard child divorcing parent form. Yes, sir. I do. I like you. Uh, I like the joke. little pause after the joke where he just turns to look at Bart as if the show is saying, yeah, we made that joke <laughs> yes. and then fade to black or cut to black. I, I just recently watched basically two Muppet movies in a row, and that feels like a very Muppety joke. And by that, I mean, oh, it's, it's a very so vaudeville joke. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I gotta say, like, blue-haired lawyer kind of crushes this episode in general. Like, when I was watching it, I was like, every blue-haired lawyer joke lands. Like, they do that joke, then they do the bacon one later, and then they do the little pulling out the little pockets on the doll. Like, like I will say, blue-haired lawyer, MVP of the episode, very quietly. He's so good that he takes away any lines that Gil may have had because he doesn't have any on the deleted scenes. You'll see him next to Homer uh, at the sentencing, but uh, they they didn't even use Gil in this episode, at, at least as far as broadcast goes. I'm proud of Bart for thinking to hire the blue-haired lawyer. Like, I don't know why they keep going to Gil. Like, Bart seems to be the first person who realizes, like, just get Mr. Burns' lawyer. Just do it. And, of course, he wins. So good <laughs> on Bart. I was really worried that they, they would have to uh, name the blue-haired lawyer at this point because... Uh, is he uh, leave him and burn him? Is that the name of the uh, the uh, firm? If he's uh, if he's made partner there, then he'd be either leave him or burn him. Yeah. Okay. He could just be an associate or something, right? <laughs> right. That's why we can't say for sure. Oh, please, please, please do not give blue haired lawyer a name. Simpsons writers who are listening right now, please don't. We we just we need something. We need some mystery. So please don't. He's gone this far without it. I hope not either. <laughs> but but. Man, I love you. Uh, I need to see more of, uh, I'm assuming, well, she she definitely dresses very Polynesian, you uh, does, but I can't guess exactly where she's from. But uh, so then after the commercial break, we come back. The show does another Close Encounters of the Third Kind mashed potato reference, but then it turns into a psycho reference <laughs> when Bart stabs the mashed potato thing made of Homer. And uh, then Marge is trying to comfort things. I do at least like the family dynamic of, Marge is trying to stitch it back together to no avail because Homer is such an asshole. 
She is trying so hard in this episode. Actually, when rewatching it, I felt really bad for Marge because she's trying so hard to like get the plot to move along to like fix the situation. But Marge is like so useless and irrelevant the whole episode. She just it's like almost like she's there just to plead at the plot to stop happening and it never does. Yeah, and Homer has to save the day with uh, no mm. no Marge intervention. Marge barely has any lines in the third act, even. Yeah, I guess at best the plot understands this a little and uh, spares Marge when Bart says, you know, you're not the problem, Mom, Dad is, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like the court doesn't even consider Marge a part of the equation. Like that's the weird thing about it because Marge is a great mom and you'd think that she would counteract Homer a little bit, but Homer is that bad that even like like Marge can't even be referenced because like she's that good. So like it's really weird how Homer is that bad that the plot can keep going despite Marge existing and still talking in this episode. So we see that uh, Homer thinks that Geppetto is spelled with a J and that's what the what would Jesus do things refer to, which I like that Homer lives his life by Geppetto, but also misspells it. <laughs> and then comes in another of the deleted scenes on the DVD where it's really just like an alternate take. So the version in the episode is Homer gets served a subpoena only because he agrees to take a side of bacon that's crispy, but not too crispy. But uh, the the blue-haired lawyer does a different trick in the deleted scenes, which is he basically says he's he insulted Homer's intelligence. Then he says, "Oh, I have a letter of apology," but it's the same letter. Homer says, "No, I, I that's the same letter. How dumb do you think I am?" He says, "Ah, you're right here. Here's the real letter of apology," and he pulls out a second letter. Homer takes that and he says, "There, you've been served." (laughs) I feel like, uh, I mean, the the scenes are cut no matter what, but I think scenes are being cut here because of that Michael Jackson thing added in later. Mm -hmm. Also, by the way, this technically does, if you avoid a subpoena, that technically does work. You do have to be officially served it for you to go there. But if you avoid a subpoena long enough, they can't just put out an arrest warrant for you and file that. So it's not like it's, it's not a, uh, it doesn't get around the entire justice system. Macarating does talk on the commentary about uh, having been served a subpoena and what it was like, uh, where a man pulled up to him. He was walking on the sidewalk. A man on a motorcycle pulls up to him and said, are you Macarating? And he was very terrified. And the man uh, sticks a subpoena in Matt's shirt. What? Damn. His shirt? Yes. And I guess I, I just like sticks it in his shirt. Maybe his shirt pocket or maybe just did like the collar of his shirt. But that's how he did it. Wow. What a yeah, mysterious like... Like server, that's the weirdest way to do it. I get, I guess I buy it because like just handing it is boring. So you'll always remember that time <laughs> you got served. It is funny though how this important part of the legal process is basically a game of tag. Yes, yeah, it's strange. Uh, well, it's funny to hear on the commentary. That's some of my favorite bits of. I think Tony Hawk talks about something his lawyer probably tell him not to talk about a time he got sued because a kid hurt himself on his property and and the dad sued him or whatever and he settled out of court. Yes, to be fair to Tony Hawk, he was on vacation and a kid snuck into his property, used his skate ramp, and hurt himself. But the kid did, he at least says the kid did get money because he's like, ah, the insurance took care of it. Who cares? Mm. Like, he just waved it off. Uh, but uh, but yes, this is when Bart announces to Homer and Marge what's going on. Bart, you're suing this? Yes, I want to be emancipated. Emancipated? Don't you like being a dude? No, Dad. It means Bart would be a legal adult and free to move out of the house. I wanted a sewing room, but not like this. Not like this. Mom, you've always been cool to me. 
But Homer is a lousy dad, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Hey, my dad was lousy, and I didn't sue him. I just dumped him in the cheapest home I could find. And then comes a very disgusting joke about catheters and urine. Yeah, I'm going to say this is up there with one of the most disgusting jokes on The Simpsons. Uh, at this point in history, I mean, I'm sure I've said this before. Remind me, listeners, what, what the other top three are. But the joke is uh, Abe says his catheter is full and his IV bag is empty. So the orderly switches them both around. In my notes, I said, uh, Abe gets hot piss in his veins. <laughs> Listen, I'm just describing the joke that unfolded in what they're putting yes. in my head. Uh, Abe is dead. Yes, this also would kill him. He should not do that. Yes. I I think my old one for dirtiest joke or maybe like most scatological joke before was the uh, the two-story outhouse joke. I think I remember that going like, ugh, that's disgusting. But I don't know, seeing the bag of urine on screen, I think, takes it above that. It's so much classier to hear a guy go, oh, my God, and then just cut to something yes. else. It's so disgusting. But I will say, like, for their, like, their gross-out jokes would be pretty hit or miss, but I think this one actually worked pretty well. Like, it's at least memorable at the very least. I'm just surprised they went there. And, and we've, we've talked about this before. The, this is being written in the uh, in the Freddy Gets Fingered era of comedy where they have to oh, yeah. they have to match what the, the culture wants from them. And the culture wants catheter and IV bag jokes. Mm-hmm. Now, Jim, you made a good point in, um, I think it was your season 17 retrospective where you talked about how you get this feeling like The Simpsons wants to match Family Guy in South Park and being dirty, but they just can't or they 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 won't go that far. But they will start like adding the word bitch to the end of sentences, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, like like and they like are bleeping Homer in that one episode, too. It's it's very cute and quaint when The Simpsons do it like. Like, I don't know why they can't do it because they weren't even owned by Disney back then. So you can't even blame it on that aspect. Maybe it's just not part of their DNA as writers that they come from a... Like, they all come from Harvard, where everyone's fancy and above those kind of jokes. And they just can't shake it. So maybe that's the reason why. You know, I, I think we've heard it on another from another writer uh, in the world of, of television. I think somebody, uh, one of our guests guessed that it could be that... The show, as syndicated, airs in earlier time slots, and they might just be thinking about that. They're like, even though it airs right next to Family Guy, Family Guy reruns only air late at night on, on cable, while Simpsons still airs at 5 p.m. on on syndication. Yeah. As we talk about this, though, it kind of makes me think that I guess if The Simpsons did try to be edgier and try to do South Park material, I probably do think I, as a super fan, would complain <laughs> as well. So I realize I'm saying that, but I do feel like it isn't really in The Simpsons' ethos, like tonally, to do that. So I guess I can see why. But like during this era, like post millennium, yeah, they definitely were trying. And I don't think, like, I guess I can see why they wanted to try, but it definitely isn't there. It's not who they are. So it never comes off well. Also, it's very much the style of the time to do a joke about uh, Homer thinking Bart wants to transition. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's uh, very, very much. But uh, though I do love how Bart just lays it out like you. We've always been cool, Marge. But uh, me and Homer, we can't. Uh, he's, he's an awful father. And the way Bart lays it out, I'm just like, yeah, no, this is entirely correct. Like this is they uh, he should not live with Homer anymore. Yeah, this is a pro Bart and Marge episode, which I'm all for. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, speaking of jokes that they kind of cycle through every 10 years, 
in early season four, we in Itchy and Scratchy, the movie, we see a show us on the doll joke. And in this episode, we also get that. But this time it's about turning out the pockets, which I do love blue haired lawyer saying, let the record show that he pulled out the little pockets of the doll. It's a little more wholesome than uh, show us where Bart stuck the fireworks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. They were being edgy back then as well. See, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and this is uh, also, I love this bit here because especially I think it'll be obvious when we listen to the audio only. I like when they just replay the same audio over and over again for a joke. Mr. Simpson, your son alleges that you have an anger management problem. You little... Uh, I'm sorry, Judge. That's a rare lapse in my normally calm demeanor. Could the stenographer please read back the previous statement? Why, you little... You little... (laughs) You little... You little... Yeah, and he also shaking his fist. It's still the shake fist era. He's shaking his fist at the judge, the Bart, and the sonographer, all in one uh, little scene mm-hmm. there. Yeah, I think it's the fact that it's the exact. Is it the exact same audio clip that they're using over and over again? I have a feeling it is. Yeah, because it really does sound the same, and I think that's what sells the joke for me. So, I mean, Dan Castellaneta is so good; he could say it the exact same way three times in a row. I don't doubt his ability, but. I'm pretty sure it's it's the same clip. It does sound like a Homer soundboard. <laughs> and uh, and yes, we heard a, another of the big guest stars in this episode, Jane Kaczmarek, with her semi-regular character, Judge Constance Harm. I uh, they though they don't say her name in this one. I always laugh at that wonderful bad name. I'm surprised she's still around. I always think of her as like a season twelve, season eleven kind of character, but I guess she's still trucking along in season fourteen. I guess. Yeah, we did our own little history on the character, uh, and she's she's around for about a decade, I think, on and oh, off. Oh, wow. And I believe she returned for when, uh, no, wait, no, it was still Suter when it was uh, the Lisa Gets Jury Duty episode, but... Suter? Oh, not Suter. The, sorry. The, Snyder. <laughs> Snyder, Judge Snyder. Not, not Suter. There we go. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, yeah, the uh, I, I mean, it was smart of them to come up with their family court judge because they're often going to be in family court uh, in this era of the show. And uh, yeah, this is when she delivers her verdict. And again, if you look in the background, you can see Gil was there, but he's not in any deleted scene. So it seems strange that they would put Gil in there and not write a joke. So they must have cut it even earlier. Son, I just want you to know. Whatever that judge decides, I'm going to be the best dad I can. No judge would send a preteen out on his own. Woohoo! You're still mine! And you thought I was a bad dad before. Except in this case. <laughs> that boy's about as safe living with you as a crawdad in a gumbo shack. Bart Simpson, I declare you emancipated. <laughs> Further, I hereby garnish Homer's wages until Bart is fully repaid. Mmm, garnish. That means half your paycheck goes to Bart. What the? Half goes to Bart? Half goes to my Vegas wife? What's left for Mo? Homer, don't make things worse. I'll show you worse. I was told this would be televised! <laughs> well, it sounds like despite their disgusting plan in uh, Brawl and the Family, Homer is still deep in debt to his Vegas wife. Yeah, how does that work? Yeah. Didn't they get annulled or divorced or something? Is he still paying her off for some reason? Yeah, again, after they drugged her and um, set her up with Abe, let's say, mm-hmm. in that um, very dark joke when we really think about it, I thought that was the end of it. But uh, obviously it's super 80 yards, so 
I mean, I do appreciate any time they just remember they're like, oh yeah, Homer has a secret Vegas wife still, <laughs> even though that was settled in in Gene's first episode. Well, that character is dead now, so we know he's not paying her now. That's true. The, uh, there is something uh, to what Jims was saying earlier about I do appreciate just how over the top uh, asshole-ish Homer is in this episode because up next we have Marge saying, Homer, don't make things worse. And he goes, I'll show you worse. And he rushes the bench. <laughs> He's yes. about to attack the female judge. It's pretty... Pretty insane. I assume that in between scenes here, he's in jail for at least a month for um, for attempted assault on a judge. Oh, sorry. That was part of the clip. I immediately forgot. <laughs> We've recorded a lot of podcasts this week. I like how, though, that now we are, in, we are now nostalgic for jerk-ass Homer stuff. So what has time mm. done to us? <laughs> TV. See, the thing is, uh, I think TV is not as mean anymore, so we're just craving it now. No, Homer is just so nice now. It's uh, and and it's what we wanted. But I guess yes, we like Jim's. You're saying we are unsatisfiable. Yeah, I, I think I think they just need to go through waves where like now we're in the nice Homer. In five years from now, he's gonna be a giant asshole again by Disney standards. And then ten mm. years after that, he's gonna go back to nice again in season fifty. I feel like Homer can never even like shoot a gun again. I feel like that that we might not see that on screen. Mm, probably not. At least not in a non-Treehouse episode, let's say. Uh, it, after all this, uh, we then cut to Bart uh, putting his life away in a, in a suitcase from 1936. He leaves a permanent, uh, quote-unquote, Indian burn on Lisa with of a heart. Have kids renamed this to be more appropriate, or are they still doing this to each other? Boy, what do they call, what do the kids do today with that? I mean, I had heard rug burn sometimes as a kid. Not It wasn't always just called an Indian burn in my memory. I think kids just dox each other now. <laughs> They've moved yeah. on past physical abuse. As I say, this would require kids to actually see each other in person, which is very unlikely. <laughs> also, it is, I mean, it does feel like an Algene era that this is also sort of still a joke about alimony as well, which Algene loves alimony jokes. Alimony Gene, we should call him. All the writers are divorced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you think about, um, I mean, Kirk Van Houten, uh, the pathetic divorce man was created by uh, two guys in their late 20s who were not even married yet. So now all mm -hmm. of these men in their 40s, many of which have been divorced, are now returning to this character and thinking, oh, boy. <laughs> this is how these guys in their 20s made fun of us. So this is when Bart leaves. And uh, I, I like that Marge, Marge, all the deals she's trying to make, like everything but the big three, that Bart can say every swear in the house but the big three. And on top of that, before she's like, I, I, that she, I love how she said, I wanted a new sewing room, but not like this. Not like this. Like, you, you feel pretty bad for Marge here. Poor Marge. She's just trying so hard to get this story not to happen. And there's nothing she can do about it. Like, this is mm -hmm. Marge at her most ineffectual. And, and this is the all-purpose uh, sarcastic clerk, but I did notice it's also the, the cab slash limo driver from The Way We Was. They use the same character design and the same voice. Yeah, that was cool. So Bart leaves. Homer is left sobbing. Uh, he cries a lot this season, as Jim's you pointed out in your in your fourteen retrospective. Oh, did I point that out? This must have been one of my notes, probably yes. this one. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's the only time it feels like Homer regrets any of this. Not one of my favorite episodes. This one, obviously, by this you're, you're an hour and a half in, you realize this. But I did get a big laugh out of the fade tonight in the the safety cones around Homer in the street. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, they totally do this joke again later in like season 30. Like I did a recent review of the uh, Pizza Bot episodes and they did basically the same joke again. So it just reminded me of that one, to be honest. So hmm. got to get out those cones whenever, you know. <laughs>
we then cut to Bart in his new uh, apartment, which I do. I kind of like this bit here because just for about uh, 30 seconds, it feels like they're coming from a real place of how it feels, you know, the first time you move into your own apartment and live away from your family and how it's like, uh, you know, oh, I, 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 it's so scary in the big city compared to before. Like that, that kind of feeling. I, I think they pull out some good stuff there. Yeah, they had some really relatable stuff in here because, yeah, when you like and imagine if you're a 10 as well, like there's a lot of questions of like, how would you deal with these weird sounds and shapes around you? But then also, like, how would Bart at the age of 10 put his life together? Because he's just sleeping in a sleeping bag on the floor. And then later he has to buy furniture. So they have to design what kind of furniture would a 10 year old buy for a loft like this. Then we get a Mary Tyler Moore reference, of course, which, uh, you know, uh, James L. Brooks works hard on that. And they also have an Absolute Vodka ad reference uh, for Absolute Krusty. And they say that they got free vodka out of this. Apparently they got a case of vodka. Did they really? Wow. Yeah, as, as we've heard Bill Oakley uh, tell us uh, himself when we asked him, they didn't get free nothing during his years when they would reference Armor Hot Dogs. or uh, He said the Stridex pads were all they got. But then here... You know, a few years later, after uh, Bill and Josh are gone, they do an absolute vodka joke and they get sent a ton of vanilla vodka, which Matt Selman is joking on the commentary in 2013. Yeah, I still didn't drink it all. It it sucks. (laughs) Now, I I think uh, Bill and Josh did get uh, a lot of schnapps from uh, Shirley Jones and Marty Ingalls based on that one joke about their Christmas party. That's true. That's true. Uh, to go back to the Mary Tyler Moore joke, I also noticed that he threw his lucky red hat and destroyed it in the episode. I think the 300th episode should have been the death of Bart's r- lucky red hat. Mm. It's true. Yes, that, that's, I mean, it's his trademark hat. It's in all the merch and uh, it's a bold, it's like when they kill Brian Griffin <laughs> 10 years later. Yeah, I did actually look up afterward to make sure that the red hat is in later episodes. So that don't worry, listeners, this is not the death of his lucky red hat. It comes back. But it would have been a great hook for number 300, I tell you. Yeah. Though, uh, D- Jims, have you done a uh, history of Bart's lucky red hat yet? And if not, could you? You know, when I watched it and I thought about that, I was like, I should totally do a Bart's lucky red hat video as a horrible shit post. So you probably will get that someday. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Ooh well, it all started here. And if not, I'll take credit. <laughs> okay, I'll send you the YouTube royalties later. Ooh, nice. Uh, Bart is yelled at to tell to stop selling drugs or to sh- be quiet in there. Some of us are trying to sell drugs. Uh, we have a quick cutaway to Homer basically acting out scenes from Bart the Genius where he's <laughs> playing catch with uh, Bart. I, I mean, this they're so desperate for a Homer pain gag at this point. They're putting one together that makes no sense. I mean, it's a cartoon, I know, but it feels like they're not trying very hard because Homer walks a broom into uh, a phone line or a power line, but that alone will not cause you to uh, get electrocuted like you're on Scooby-Doo. <laughs> right. I feel like the setup could have been more elaborate. Uh, this was part of their electrocution phase they went through, like with the Sideshow Bob episode. They got to electrocute someone in every other episode. Yeah, the last Sideshow Bob one we did, that's when he had the shot collar, right? Yeah. Yeah, they they were zapping people so much. Oh, and Homer gets uh, zapped by lightning in the uh, Pray Anything. Oh, yeah, that's the previous episode, right? So, wow. See, we are in the electrocution era of the show. <laughs> uh, though I do at least like 
when Marge is saying that she wishes the real Bart was here for that, Homer is stomping on the on-fire Bart yes. corpse. And, and sorry, speaking of uh, suggestions for real gems, uh, I know you love getting them, as do we. Oh, well, I need them, so please keep them coming. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I, I do really want to know about the uh, the difference between Puppy Goo Goo and uh, oh, what's no. called on the wiki, Millhouse's Dog. Because both exist for, uh, I think, four episodes each, but they're distinct characters in that one is alive and one is not, but they are identical in design. This is actually a YouTube comment I get pretty frequently. Like, are you that commenter, Bob? Are you that YouTube person? I I am not, (laughs) I assure you. Yeah, but for some reason, yeah, people want to know... Is Puppy Goo Goo a real dog? Like it? Like what is it? Like the one that I always think of is at the end of Lisa's date with Density, he chokes that little dog at the end of that episode. And this one, it's clearly a toy. So you said there's like four appearances of each where sometimes it's a dog and sometimes it's a toy? Yeah, and I believe there's overlap, uh, but Milhouse has a, a Shih Tzu, as they call them. Uh, it is introduced in Lisa's date with Density, but I, I believe this is the introduction of Puppy Goo Goo. But then there will be Milhouse's dog appearances after this. I'm almost positive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, well, that might be a Simpsons mystery someday. Because, yeah, I have gotten that YouTube comment. I've always wondered... Like, it's one I haven't researched yet, but that's another one that I probably... Like, I don't know what is there to talk about, if there's only, like, eight appearances, probably. But, yeah, it's really weird that they go back and forth. Like, I love this gag that, like, Luann just walks in, it's like, oh, puppy Goo Goo, and he hugs him. Like, there's a lot of weird stuff going on in the Van Houten household. Puppy Goo Goo, fetch me a dream is a classic line uh, to me. I think uh, it... Yeah, puppy Goo Goo, I remembered him appearing in way more stuff than... Then I then saw listed on the wiki. I was like, oh, I guess there really isn't much puppy goo goo. I believe it is because I misidentified the uh, previous living dog appearances, like Bob mentioned. Though I, our, our pal Julia Prescott, uh, who wrote uh, uh, the two tree houses ago episode of The Simpsons, she got in a puppy goo goo reference. Because it was old enough then to be a retro reference to Puppy Goo Goo. But that was in the Toy Story one, thus recognizing that Puppy Goo Goo is a toy, Mm. not a living dog. Okay, was Puppy Goo Goo one of the toys that killed Bart at the end of that? I believe a toy killed that toy, Puppy Goo Goo. Only on this podcast will we have this discussion. You will find it nowhere else. (laughs) I mean, that's why people subscribe, right? This cutting-edge Puppy Goo Goo talk. Quiet, dear. They're talking about Puppy Goo Goo. Uh, and I mean, I this it's also just an escalation of the Millhouse has My Little Pony, uh, you know, sleeping bag or Teletubbies, whatever. that stuff. The Teletubbies, yes, all that stuff. Now, now they finally made up their own branded thing for Millhouse to be a a, a weenie uh, for enjoy. Yeah, but Puppy Goo Goo, like I can't believe we're still talking about this. It's so dumb. <laughs> but <laughs> but pup, like I'm making an argument here. But Puppy Goo Goo is way better than all those references because when I see like oh, the yeah. Teletubbies thing and all the My Little Pony stuff, like it's his blanket, I think the My Little Pony thing is, uh, like I kind of roll my eyes. Like it's such a cheap joke. But like inventing Puppy Goo Goo, like you can't beat Puppy Goo. Like why? Like once again, why am I still talking about this? But like it's a way better joke. So <laughs> they should do Puppy Goo Goo. I agree. Uh, also, I want to give credit to the animators on this for making, a, I think, a joke not planned by the script. When they're talking on phones to each other, in the background, you can see the crusty walkie-talkies that Bart gifted Millhouse in Homer Defined Ooh. that they used to talk to each other. Oh, cool. I missed that. So it's like some animator remembered that. 
Uh, but yes, after all of this, and then Bart gets a little scared of seeing first in a very good, silly joke way, his blanket somehow looks like a gi- its shadow somehow looks like a giant rat. Uh, but then an actual giant rat appears. Bart has to run away. And this is when the episode becomes the celebrity show as the, the big time celebs take it over, as often was the case back in this time frame. This is the true beginning of the 300th episode, in my opinion. Like, this is where, like, all that stuff before, that's just a regular Simpsons episode. 300 starts now. We got Tony Hawk. We got Blink-182. Like, this is 300, baby. I was going to say that, uh, I mean, at the time, I I was a young man. I was 20. I was 20 when this aired. And I was like, well, I know who Tony Hawk is. A lot of popular video games. And, you know, Blink-182 is on the radio. But does does America know who Tony Hawk is? I always wondered that because for episode 200, you two, arguably biggest rock band in the world at that point. Uh, Tony Hawk, great guy, but I feel like uh, like we were saying before, they're really trying to appeal to the youth. Yeah, I, I definitely knew who Tony Hawk was because of that like demographic. I was in high school at the point, but it is kind of a weird call because are high schoolers and 20-somethings watching the 300th episode of The Simpsons? Well, I know they wanted them to, for sure. They they were trying to youthen up their demographic a bit. I, I was out of habit. Okay, well, you draw them in, you draw them in with the Kennedy Center Awards, but they stay for Blink One Eighty Two. But yes, why don't we why don't we hear the uh, the the intro of our big famous guests? Hey, it's an emancipated minor. What's your name? I'm I'm Bart Simpson, and hey, are you skateboarding legend Tony Hawk? That's what my business cards say. Oh, wait, that's my old phone number. You live in this building? When I'm not on the road or in rehab for my shattered pelvis. I hope you don't mind living below a bunch of pro skaters who like to party. (laughs) I'll adjust. Hey, Blink-182! We have names, you know. Whatever, you can crank it up! Dude, let's trash this place. After we get paid. Nice. Oh man, this is the greatest night of my life. If my dad could see this, he'd be so mad. He can. There's a webcam right there. Of all the sites on all the web, I had to click on his. Odd. After all of the recent uh, hip references, we get we get to reminded that uh, of Casablanca. It's yeah. like. Al Jean is out of control with his references. When they did that <laughs> reference, I was like, this is Al Jean. We sat through a whole scene with Blake Wet A2. He's got to get the Casablanca reference in there. Come on. It is a hallmark. Like, this reference now? Yes, it's happening. And I want to say, folks, say goodbye to Blink-182. They're not in the show anymore. And one of them doesn't talk. <laughs> so I feel like there were there were bigger plans for this uh, appearance. And it reminds me of when Beck was on Futurama in that they're not playing new music. It's like, well, here's our song from five years ago. And I feel like there was probably a single from their 2001 album. I was looking this up and their 2003 album would not be out until later in the year. But even at the time, I thought, well, I heard that song in high school. Mm-hmm. Wait, but was that a 2000 song, All the Small Things? Or was that 99? Uh, 99. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, though it was big into 2000 on, on Total Request Live, though. Yeah, that's when I remember it. Um, but like, I don't know. Like, can, can you really expect the Simpsons writers to bring out one of Blink One Eighty Two's more deeper cuts? <laughs> or just I was I was thinking, how about the the latest album single, not two albums ago or whatever? But 
yeah i just uh I, you know i wasn't down with them uh at the time even though i like some pop punk and now when i hear songs like this i, I find them delightful but uh yeah uh i wish they were doing more here because one of the guys isn't even drawn in close-up i think it is the the lead singer i think it is tom DeLong. tom DeLong. yeah not even like you see a far away shot of him but i, I would have felt ripped off if i uh signed up for this and it's just like and i'm in an establishing shot and my two friends get to talk all three of them are were at the recording too. Like they're in that press uh, uh, PR release. All three of them are there in person. Not like how uh, you know Justin Timberlake went solo when the rest of NSYNC recorded their lines together. All three of the of the Blinkers were there. So wait a minute, they got Blink One Eight Two to actually go to the studio just so that they can like no sell them and not even remember their names from the characters. Like, I mean, it's fun just being on the show, you know. Like, it's fun in that way. But like, what a weird appearance to go do on on the commentary with Mark Hoppus. There, they're even saying like, yeah, Travis Parker is a bad actor that he had to do. <laughs> they basically say he had to say a billion times after we get paid, after we get paid, after we get paid. Though also on that extra thing. This line that isn't in the episode, it's them saying uh, Travis Barker also keeps it being told to say this line over and over again of like, you've been saying that since you were blink 12. You've been saying that since we were blink 12. You've been over and over again. Yeah, clearly there was uh, a more of an exchange between the guys, but they don't even talk about it on the commentary. I'm surprised they don't say, uh, oh, we forgot to have uh, Tom say something. Oh, no. Sorry. Well, you know, when they recorded that commentary, Tom DeLonge and Mark Hoppus weren't friendly. Oh. Tom DeLonge was not part of the band at the time. I forgot about all of the ups and downs. <laughs> though, uh, though, right now, everybody's friends again because they're going on a very high-priced uh, tour with a brand new album. So all, all three of them are back together again. <laughs> I was going to make a joke about how our generation has too much disposable income, but that is not true at all. So mm -hmm. weird. <laughs> they're just targeting the few who do. It's uh, meanwhile, I did. So how I learned Tony Hawk got on the show, that was from the bro Bible article I read. But basically what, what Tony Hawk said was that when he got so big in about 2000, 2001, he finally hired a publicist after the game got so big and the publicist's job was to pitch him to shows. And one of the ones he pitched them to him to as a guest was the Simpsons. And I think clearly somebody of the Simpsons were like, well, of course, Bart, who hasn't really skateboarded in a long time in the show, but he would love Tony Hawk, wouldn't he? I I think if you also remember on the Inside the Actor Studio, when they're asking Nancy to answer questions in the character of Bart and said, you know, who's Bart's hero? She just said Krusty the Clown and Tony Hawk, and I would assume that's because they were about to get Tony Hawk on the show when they recorded that. That's a really good point, though, because they did an episode with Tony Hawk where Bart doesn't skateboard. Like, there's one scene where he skateboards away from him, but what a bizarre concept. You know what I mean? Like, you think you get Tony Hawk, Bart's going to skateboard, he's going to teach him how to skateboard, but instead, Homer skateboards. Yes, it ends with a big Homer skateboarding section, and Bart stands on a skateboard lightly in this one. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> I don't know, maybe he's intimidated to skateboard in front of uh, Tony Hawk, and Homer simply doesn't know who he is, so he's like, yeah, I'll skateboard in front of this weird guy. See, if there's any argument for how Homer took over the show and how Bart doesn't matter at all, it's this episode where they won't even let him skateboard in front of Tony Hawk. <laughs> uh, Tony Hawk also, he says it on the commentary, but he also said it uh, in that uh, more recent interview that he also said, they drew me like I'm bald. I'm not that bald. <laughs> 
you know, when this came out, Bart had actually become Tony's competition in the skateboarding space because Simpson Skateboarding was the November 2002 video game release uh, up against Tony Hawk's Pro Skater of that year. What what competition that game offered? Yeah, from what I hear, those both both games had similar critical re- receptions. Correct? Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody loved them both equally. No. The only time that game entered a person's home is if a mom said, "I asked the man at the store." <laughs> Though I mean, they probably got some good money for all the small things being played on the show. I would bet. Yeah, probably, and they can at least say that they were on the show. Tony Hawk did say that that's one of the greatest honors of his life was being on The Simpsons. Like he said, that was his, he was asked in an unrelated interview to doing the show, he was asked, what's your I made it moment? And he said it was doing The Simpsons. What did you guys think of his performance in this? Because he's not really given like much material, but I think considering how slight the material that he got and like that he's not really a famous actor i thought he did a pleasant enough job with like that like joke where he's going up and then down and then up again yeah. like i thought he did pretty well all things considered he's he's really charming i i think at times the writing misunderstands who he's supposed to be uh there's one joke about uh homer's like can i ask you something and he's like only if you ask it in an extreme way i i view tony hawk as just like a laid-back southern californian guy who just is you know not into that kind of uh in your face uh delivery yeah. but maybe they just are reading like skateboarding extreme sports all this stuff i just i feel like he is too like chill for that kind of writing yeah like weirdly enough they gave blink 182 who are like the fun pop punk guys the very boring and straightforward like lines in this and then they give tony hawk these like extreme to the max kind of like vernacular when he's just like very laid back and chill Blink 182 get turned into sellouts who only do everything for the money. <laughs> yeah, I well I will say that uh, their 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 lines aren't funny. No, no. either. <laughs> I feel like the the lines they say could have been written for any band that they got. They were just like whatever band says yes, we're going to do that. They'll they'll say these lines. That's why I wondered about the 300th episode thing cuz it did really feel like uh, speaking of Mad Libs from earlier, but it does seem like there was a giant <laughs> blank right there where you're like, insert band here, and it could have been anybody. Did they try for Green Day and then were turned down and had to put that in their back pocket until till the movie? It would have been so sad if they would have wasted Green Day for this appearance. <laughs> like, no offense to Blink-182, they're fine. Like, I like some of their songs, but like if they got Green Day and they just dumped them in this little like blameless appearance... Uh, then uh, we come back from commercial break after that wonderful webcam joke. Uh, and then we uh, we then see that uh, Marge is still missing Bart. Homer says that he's trying to learn how to uh, take care of a uh, baby by taking care of a, a bag of sugar, which leads to another character returning as well. Oh, tomorrow's the day the judge said we can visit Bart. I think he might come home if we can show him we can treat him better. For your information, I've been taking steps to become a better father. For the past week, I've been carrying around this bag of sugar. It taught me how to love and care for a child. Uh-uh. What the? Where the hell's my sugar? Condoleezza Marie ain't too playful tonight. And I don't remember her being this granulated. Can I put your baby in my coffee? Well, the doctor said you eat any more baby, they gonna take your foot. I, I do have a soft spot for uh, Diabetti. <laughs> and of, of course, as of this recording, The Real Gems just did a uh, History of Cletus uh, episode for his YouTube channel. 
And uh, because of that, I was like, oh, Condoleezza Marie. I remember seeing that in the video. Cletus haunts me wherever I go now. Like, yeah, when I watched this episode, I was like, oh, it's Cletus. It's the, it's the sugar episode. I will say this is a good Cletus joke. I'll give them their flowers. Yeah, and um, something I didn't notice uh, until you pointed out, Gems, is that how how seldomly Cletus was used until this era of the show. Like he had a he had a few appearances per season, but there's something about him that this era is really drawn towards. And then they latch on to Cletus to the point where we get a Brandine episode uh, much later down the line. Yeah, they really need to stop giving him spotlight episodes unless they're gonna do something interesting with him. It really feels like he's like the last stereotype they feel like they can make fun of these days, which is why they keep him around. And and like you said, though, they already, even when they do a good new Cletus joke, that it can't beat his scene in 22 short films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they peaked way too early. Like, you just can't beat that. So there's part of me that's like, maybe they should just stop there. But at the same time, I really like Cletus. He's an endearing character. I just don't think the writers are very nice to him very often. Like Cletus deserves better. And like, this is actually a decent Cletus joke because I don't know, like they're kind of putting the joke on Diabetti, you know, but Cletus gets to, you know, like he gets to have that banter with Brandine about the mm-hmm. granulated and everything. <laughs> of course he did misplace a child as well. But how, how they ended up mixing these two up at some point, I don't know, but... <laughs> So, yeah, then uh, we cut to Bart being dropped off by Tony Hawk and he keeps name dropping something I would never do on a podcast. I would never constantly name drop all the people we've had on. Never. You would never talk about your good pal, Tony Hawk. Nope. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or or all our great times with, you know, Bill Oakley or Rebecca Sugar or any of those or or Mitch, my, uh, the, the Doughboys guys. None of that stuff. We'd never name drop it all the time. Uh, Miami, you guys had Bill Oakley on this podcast? We just did a live podcast with him in, in Portland, Oregon, even. Oh, no, I just realized I prompted you. <laughs> <laughs> Why, thank you. What, our best friend Bill Oakley? Yeah. <laughs> who lives at, oh, well, I can't say that out loud. Well, actually, I should have I should have treated you like Bart Treats Millhouse in this, like, shh, Jims, I'm trying to play cool. Does Bill Oakley <laughs> at least know you guys' proper names, unlike Tony Hawk and Bart? And, yeah, I'd say so at this point. He knows our proper names. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I've never been called Brett. <laughs> I also like that they uh, they took the birdhouse logo of uh, of his skateboards and Simpsonified it to put on the side of his van. Uh, again, we get just a teeny bit here of what feels like real life stuff. Of I definitely went through this the first time my parents visited my apartment in well, when I say the big city, I mean Berkeley, California, not even San Francisco. But of just this feeling of like one of the first times. My parents visited me when we were driving around. They were asking, is it safe around here? And I was like, and I believe this, it was safe around where I lived. But right after we said that, almost like a Simpsons joke, outside the window, we saw an unhoused man assault an old woman like at at a bus stop. And I was like, "Uh, that doesn't happen all the time. (laughs) Yeah, it is. uh, It's a new world for some people because I remember uh, a friend of mine, uh, they were living in a big city uh, and their parents visited and uh, their car was broken into, but it turns out they didn't lock their car doors. That's adorable. Because that's just something that wasn't done in their rural hometown. And I just thought, oh, country mouse. <laughs> that's crazy to me. I live in the, I mean, I live in the suburbs. I don't live in the rural areas. But I think even in rural areas, they're probably locking their door now, now that we're all afraid, right? Sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> now he's locking his door. Also, it's funny because we, it's next week's episode, but we just did Lisa's first word. When they go upstairs and Bart is being cold to Homer, he actually calls him dad. He says, hey, dad. I was like, wait, you should be calling him Homer. That's your whole bit in that episode. 
Yeah, Lisa's pony is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> we'll also hear Homer um, strangles Bart when he's trying to prove he's on his best behavior as well. Just to, <laughs> he's not he's not earning any points here. I'm surprised they're even paying lip service to the plot at this point. Like when they went to Bart's house and had that dinner together, it's like, oh yeah, there's like an actual character relationship conflict going on. I'm surprised they even put the scene in the episode with where it's going, you know? Yeah, and there's very few jokes about how Bart is living. I mean, there's the joke about how he gets a dollar per syringe he picks up every day. And then when they're all eating together, they're clearly eating uh, basically TV dinners. But then I was thinking, well, I've seen Marge serve the family those in the past. So it's not really a joke about Bart being a little kid and not knowing how to cook. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there feels like there's like a whole other version of the second half of the episode that I think I'd rather watch instead. Like when I watched it for this podcast, I came away wondering... Like, why is Act 3 the way it is? Because it is just a giant, like, mess, this whole Act 3. And, like, there are these these little glimpses of, like, kind of a more interesting down-to-earth episode that could still have Tony Hawk in there of Bart living by himself. Like, that's a good premise. But, like, we're going to go to the X Games, like, right after this. And it's like, I don't even know, like, what they're even doing in this Act 3. Like, like, I'm going to ask you guys, why is this Act 3 the way it is? I'm going to say, and uh, I have a feeling Henry will agree with me, that we see it a lot in this era. It's like a real, what they feel as a rescue job, where they feel a script isn't working. And I'd love to see Andrew Kreisberg's original draft of this. I don't want to go anywhere near him to do that, but, you know, maybe it's <laughs> online. But I feel that it had a more emotional, realistic, down-to-earth third act, but it didn't play very well. The table read, it wasn't, uh, you know, a, a big enough episode in terms of, you know... Um, you get the stature of the 300th or whatever. I don't know the reason, but we've seen this before where Act 3, where did this idea come mm-hmm. from? Why are they at this location? <laughs> did they forget about the first two acts? And going back to the original 300th episode, The Strong Arms of the Maw, that's one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be like if they did for the 100th episode, Bart gets Skinner fired, but then Act 3 turns into like some giant battle Oh, like maybe like Homer's prank that he was going to do actually does happen or whatever instead of like doing the ending that they did do in that episode. Like it's a very weird anniversary swerve. Well, and also instead of Ned being the uh, the new principal, it's like Kevin Costner or whatever famous guy they could get for that week. And I mean, we'll get to it, but uh, even the show acknowledges it doesn't know what it's doing in the third act because Barn has to point out it's not that I didn't think you were cool. I thought you lacked empathy. That's why I left. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, they don't even know what the point of the episode is. Because, like, I was thinking, it's like, this episode is like, it's kind of like a brother from the same planet, you know, where Bart has a bigger brother and is fighting with Homer. Like, that's Bart's storyline. But Homer's storyline turns into Homer Palooza for some reason, where Homer needs to be cool for Bart. And, like, both characters don't know or aren't even in the same episodes with each other. You know, now that you bring up Homer Palooza, this bit of them going to the Skewed tour, again, makes me go, like, wow, the show's been on so long that, like, Lollapalooza isn't the cool tour anymore. Like, it's now the Warped tour or the Vans Warped tour with the Skewed tour. Yes, uh, parodying the Warp Tour, which went on from 95 to 2019. Uh, the end of the Warp Tour had nothing to do with COVID, by ah. the way. And sponsored by Henry's Precious Vans. Uh, he's putting all of those executive <laughs> kids through college. I, I do love Vans. I have to. I put supports in the Vans, though, because it is too flat, because I'm not actually a skateboarder. I just like the, their fit. But um, 
Uh, but yeah, I also I don't wear them for my workouts. I have specific workout shoes that are not actual like running shoes, not uh, not Vans. See, I couldn't even tell that this was a Warped Tour parody, which makes sense when you say it's skewed. I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Because I thought it was like an X Games parody because it doesn't even like look like the Warped Tour. It just they're all skating. There's like no music. Yeah. Like they already used up Blink-182. So now it's just skating at the end. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I associate the Warp Tour with you go there to see bands. It's like an outdoor music festival. And then uh, again, there's more underlining of they don't know what they're doing here. They don't know how they ended up here because the announcer says, and now it's time for the part of the show where one of the audience challenges Tony Hawk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but I just want to know, like, this is very small. What did you folks think about Marge screaming with Homer's voice for that nipple ring gag. I've got the clip here just so listeners can hear it. Okay. I, I clipped that out too. I was like, wait a minute, what? Wow, this place is great. That couch looks really pricey. Well, you need an expensive couch to watch an expensive TV. Of course, because you wouldn't want to. I paid for your splendor, you dumbass! And for every syringe I find, I get a dollar. Well, that's great, honey. <laughs> You know, son, I've been doing a lot of thinking. I was wrong to exploit you, and I won't do it again. Thanks, Dad. That means a lot to me. So do you think you might see your way clear to moving back in with your ma and me? Sorry, no can do. I'm taking off for six months to join the Skewed Tour. Skewed Tour? The traveling festival of rock and roll, skateboarding, and extreme sports? And nipple piercing. Ah! Don't worry, they're clip-ons. It does feel like they're going for a weird joke. Actually, it sounds like they pitched up the Homer scream a little bit, mm -hmm. but that it was so horrifying that Marge was able to summon the classic Homer scream. I think that is the joke. Yeah. I Also, I'm pretty sure that's the last thing Marge says in the episode as well. Uh, Marge is so ineffectual in this episode, she doesn't even get to scream. <laughs> yeah. It's so uh, much like Homer Palooza, I feel like she should say, skateboards are designed to hurt. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. She does have that line later about the 300th episode. So I guess she does okay. get to talk later. Oh, yeah. But that's, but that's basically it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I looked it up at the time. The, the headliners for the, uh, the 2003 Warped Tour were Rancid, AFI, and Andrew WK. Blink-182 had stopped appearing on the tour in 2001. But 2019 was their triumphant return to the Warp Tour. Wait a minute, is the Warp Tour still going on? This is a really old person question. Oh no, this ended in 2019. I believe not, nothing to do with COVID. It just uh, reached its natural end. And there's more to the story if you want to look into it. But you said that, um, Henry, you said they're reuniting. Is this some sort of like Blink-182 cruise you can take? I feel like a lot of these bands, and, and Kevin Smith, yes. they're, they're doing these cruises now. Yes, uh, I think they have been on other cruises. I don't know if there's a, a full-on Blink-182 cruise, but yes, I am aware of the new album because uh, friends of the show, the podcast the, and band, the Sloppy Boys, they did an episode where they reviewed the new album, and we're not positive about it. They're like, oh, this sucks. It's just them. It's a real rehash, and they even pointed out how like this song just sounds like this classic song of theirs, but yeah, it's them back together because... Tom DeLonge quit the band um, and is very into space aliens and proving if they're real or not. Mm -hmm. He really likes that. Uh, but I think they were able to convince him like, hey, the band, the albums without you don't sell as much as the albums with you. So why don't we all just get together and make a bunch of money? And uh, that's what they're doing right now. Uh, and then at the Skewed Tour, we also see that Martin gets a permanent tattoo on his face, which would make him a big time SoundCloud mm -hmm. rapper these days. 
it it's a uh the joke makes no sense because you would know you're getting a tattoo but i, I do yes. love the punchline of the bullies uh wailing on his unconscious body okay uh, pardon me for a really dumb question but is that actually a tattoo? Is that what the joke is supposed to read? Or are they messing with him? I, I take it to to add a more cruelty to Martin's life. They would make it a real tattoo. Yeah, because that was what I was wondering. Because, yeah, he would totally feel if it was an actual tattoo. But it wouldn't put it past me to, like, think that they were just messing with him. But then if they were lying and it wasn't a tattoo, like, why would they say that thing about he's been tortured enough at that point? So I always wondered about that joke. Yeah, I think it is supposed to be seen as a real tattoo. Obviously, it does. It doesn't stay, nor should we expect it to stay. Like that's. Uh, let's say he went to the same doctor that Marge takes Bart to in Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire, and they laser it off his face. Hmm, okay, uh, you're thinking of Doctor Zitzowski, and that's real. Oh, that's right. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's so fun to pull out. It's the holiday season now. Pull out your own copies of the original book from 92 or, or 91 where they name every single character that appears in that episode, <laughs> including like uh, racetrack ticket guy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they then also see how heavily advertised it is, which also just feels like Homer Palooza jokes uh, warmed over the Goldman Sachs thing and all that. Uh, I, I thought it was funnier in the all of the merchandising at the, uh, the Hullabalooza. Yeah, the the Joustins class rings. Yeah. More specific, better. But uh, then we have a quick little deleted scene, which I actually did really like that Bart, that Bart helps Tony balance his skateboard because there weren't enough stickers in the right place. There was a major sticker imbalance, so he adds another sticker to straighten <laughs> it out. But uh, then because it's the third act, a giant fight has to help happen as Tony decides to help Homer. Mr. Hawk. May I have a word with you? An extreme word? Sure. My son is Bart Simpson and- I didn't say extreme to the max. Sorry. I just want to win my son back so badly. I can relate. I'm a father myself. Oh, one day they're little shredders, and the next day they're grinding and gnashing their way to college. Yeah, I make up words too. Anyway, I was wondering if you could pretend to lose to me in a skateboarding contest so I can be a hero to my boy again. I'll lose millions in endorsements, but okay. This board represents the ultimate in poser technology. It gives people the illusion they have talent. Groovy! Just lock your feet in, and the board does all the work. All the work? <sighs> Fine. I'll lift you onto the board, too. Do it without the attitude, or don't do it at all. I still have a joke where Homer's a jerk to anybody helping him. I, I still enjoy those. <laughs> yes. I'm still trying to figure out, like, why... Why is the plot the way it is? I'm sorry I keep repeating it, but, like, why are they competing in a skateboarding competition? Like, why was this the logical conclusion to the story? You're correct. Uh, and then in the audience, we uh, we have the joke about how this is not really the 300th episode, which I like that they're putting that little, like, uh, slap in the face of the executives who forced this on them. But also, it's identifying the episode as a crazy Homer plot episode, and that's not what it should be. Yeah, like, if you're going to do crazy Homer plot, you got to put that in X1 and 2 to set up crazy Homer plot. It needs to be a romp mm -hmm. all the way through, whereas this is a romp in Act 3. Like, what the hell? I think if they played this a little bigger or maybe a different approach, to me it seems like in an, the, the high-minded comedic parody intent is that this is like making fun of, say, a Brady Bunch episode where they have to win the big surf competition or something, and then this competition doesn't matter. But then... 
But then they have to muck it up with a crouching tiger hidden dragon reference to like a long one, a really long one. Um, see, that's the weird thing, though, because the like the skateboarding battle is basically magic. And like all the Simpsons purists out there, we're going to be like furring our brows and shaking our fists at them floating around up there. Like, but they've done stuff like the tap dancing shoes and stuff that are also similarly magic. So I kind of do enjoy how over the top that is, that they're just flying at each other by the end of the episode. But it's very tonally like whiplashy compared to the first two acts of this episode. You know, I, I also feel like we might, I think we, we burn through our Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon references very quickly in pop culture because I can still identify a Matrix reference from a mile away. It was not until you told me what was coming up, Henry, did I realize upon watching like, oh, that's what this is. Because I know a week or two ago, you're like, oh, get ready for this reference. And I was like, oh, I forget what that is. And then when I sat down to watch it, I was like, oh, okay. But if you had not told me that, I would, I'd be thinking, what is this supposed to be? Yeah, I because I'm a big wire foo fan. Like I I loved all those movies, but seeing it in the episode, my first thought was, oh, this see, it reminded me of the final battle in the third Matrix movie. But I knew that comes out like a year after this episode, so it couldn't be a reference to that. But then finally, the music in the background reminded me, like, oh, okay, it's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Dragon, which was a years-old movie. But was if you don't remember, then it was a pretty big event movie. Like many many Americans had never seen Wire Foo, like that kind of action in a movie before, and it was being presented in a also prestige drama that is great. I it's a great great movie. I watched it again recently for the first time in a while, and it's such a a, a, a wonderful film. That's why they put it in this episode, because of the drama between Homer and Bart mirrors yeah. the drama from that film. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Actually, I do want to hear the bit of Marge and Lisa shitting on the episode counting for this one. Now the portion of our event where champion Tony Hawk may be challenged by any unknown member of the audience. I'm challenging you, Hawk, in front of all these outcasts and dreamers who can't even get into the army, if you can believe it. Dad, how drunk are you? Not very. You're going down, Homer, then back up, then down, and back up again. That's how the game is played. I can't count how many times your father's done something crazy like this. It's 300, Mom. I could have sworn it was 302. Shh. By the way, when Tony Hawk references his, uh, his child, he says, I'm a father too. I would assume that is Riley Hawk he's talking about, who was nine years old when this aired, who is 31 now. Yeah, I, I remember uh, watching that extras segment I mentioned like three times now. And when they pan from like Tony Hawk to Nancy Cartwright, you see two kids sitting on the couch. And I assume one of them is his kid. And uh, and Tom Gamble, I think, references that what like his kid would love taking a picture with Tony Hawk that day, I think. Wait a minute, they weren't excited to take a picture with Blink-182? <laughs> you know they nobody says that to hoppus they they do kind of needle hoppus about like why is your band named this like i i al Jean is nice to have all the i again i don't want to be a jerk and say like oh you went to all this trouble of getting the guests there but they ask these obvious questions like why is your name blink 182 and they, i'm just like google this al Jean. we don't need to hear this on on this precious commentary these are real larry king questions he's asking yeah I feel like I actually know, like, I feel like I know the answer, right? It wasn't just a random number they picked. Yes, they had to pick a number uh, because they couldn't use Blink or something mm -hmm. like that. He does tell the story on the commentary, but I'm sure it's been recounted many, many times. 
Okay, well, go listen to the commentary if you want to hear uh, Tom be tortured by the Simpsons writers. You know what? For for Mark Hoppus's trouble, though, you can also on the commentary hear them ask to get free stuff, which they do. Like Mark Hoppus complains, "Hey, I wasn't given a cell for this episode. I was told I was." And then Al Jean on commentary has to go, "Like, we'll get you one. We'll get you some free stuff." It reminded me get this man a cell. Well, oh, now the actor I forget who was asking for free DVDs on the commentary. Oh, it was Delroy Lindo. That's who it was. Yeah, after being uh, well, we talk about that in the uh, Brawl in the Family episode. Uh, he he pieces out of that commentary about halfway through. So, you guys yeah. done? <laughs> I can leave. I think I think he went the right route though, going for a sell. That's got to be worth way more money than like DVDs these days. So good on him. I don't know if Mark Hoppus got a sell, but I can confirm from Googling uh, Mark Hoppus Simpsons stuff that him and his wife, soon after the recording of this DVD commentary, did get to go to the 500th episode party for The Simpsons. So he did get an invite to that. But uh, yeah, you know, also I have to say this animators, we haven't uh, complimented them enough in this episode. They were told to do skateboarding tricks, which I'm sure are not easy to animate. And then they also have to do it with Homer looking lazy while doing all of them. Yeah, I love the shot of Homer just nonchalantly smoking that pipe going by. It's very pretty. And then like, yeah, like you said, a lot of technical artistry with him because they have him go through a lot of obstacles down there. It's not even like just a half pipe going up and down. And then he comes up... um... He does that whole like rotation around the screen and, and he comes up with a life hack. It's like, oh, I can buy my own nuts and then mix them on my own. I'll save lots of money. <laughs> I would think you probably end up spending the same, right? You're, you know, per nut. He hasn't done his research. These are, this, this is just uh, uh, skateboard talk. <laughs> and so Tony Hawk basically is killed by Homer. Homer wins the fight and Tony Hawk falls to uh, a crumpled up pile of bones. Um and this is when, uh, yes, as you said, uh, Tony Hawk uh, and Bart remind Homer what the actual plot of the episode is. Woohoo! I rule this pseudo sport! Come back to me, boy! Dad, you don't understand. This was never about being cool. It was about you not caring how I felt. Oh, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard, you stupid little kid. Homer, <laughs> you're heading for a parental faceplant. Do a 180 emotional ollie. Uh, uh, finally, someone explains it to me in words I can understand. So, yeah, that's uh, that's the end of Tony Hawk, a classic appearance of the guest star dying pretty much on screen. God, this <laughs> this episode is so bad in Act 3. Like, I'm trying not to be the Debbie Downer, but every clip you play, I'm just, like, reliving watching this, being like, they don't even know what they're doing. They're showing on screen that they don't even know what the character arc is. And like, and they're hitching the whole thing, like Homer's resolution on like Tony Hawk lingo. It's, God, yeah. it's such dog shit. I'm sorry I'm being so negative. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I understand like Tony Hawk emerges from the, the skate ramp to tell Homer, this is not a Homer gets a job episode. You have to apologize to your son. <laughs> and also to to make the, uh, the plotting seem even more um, cheap, Lindsay Nagel teleports in to solve the problem for the episode. Like they, they were really enjoying this at the time. Other times recently, they at least have when Lindsay Nagel shows up to be like, Hey, I want to give you a job. They then say, how are you here? And she'd say, I'm an alcoholic. I'm a sexual predator. She would at least explain why she was in some area here. Not even that. Yeah. I will give them some credit. I've been very negative on act three, but I do kind of like, the bookend of 
like Bart was humiliated at the beginning in a commercial. So Homer also gets humiliated, although I don't think he realizes how humiliated he's getting, but how he gets humiliated at the end. It kind of like seeing that ending makes me wonder if they could have like reworked it somehow where like that gets integrated more into the story. So they somehow do get there in a weird way, but like everything up to it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Yes, and the, the episode uh, ends with Homer not understanding what the word impotence means as we wrap up 300 episodes of The Simpsons with a lengthy Viagra joke. <laughs> I know I did wrong, and I'm truly sorry. I put you in humiliating commercials for money, which I spent on myself. I just wish I had an opportunity to make things right. Mr. Simpson, I like the way you handled yourself on that board. Would you like to do a commercial for us? Anything. As long as I can give the money to my son. Excellent. I represent Viagragane, the topical rub for bald, impotent men. Well, I am bald and important. Where do I sign? Oh, Steve, you're everything a girl could want. What's your secret? Well, Kathy, I'll tell you. It's Viagragane. It gives you lots of hair and what you need down there. What are you waiting for, loser? Possible side effects include loss of scalp and penis. What did he say about my scalp? Don't worry, Dad. It's just a commercial. No one will remember this in 50 years. <laughs> they play the music one more time so you remember, like, your last thought is the Crouching Tiger reference for some reason. And Homer's grave reads, impotency, sorry, impotency spokesman. Look forward to season 64 when that when that actually happens in real life. <laughs> Shouldn't Nelson die in that scene? Does it feel like it's not enough that he just coughs some? Shouldn't he keel over and die? Yeah, I remembered him dying, but that could just me be my brain punching up the joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he does run into the tree earlier when we see him, so maybe uh, like we kind of expect him to fall over. I think the tree should have come out of nowhere and attacked him. A tree falls on him and kills him instead of he coughs. There yeah. you go. We fixed the joke. <laughs> I do wonder if this was partially a reference to Bob Dole selling Viagra that uh, in 1999, uh, that uh, some people felt that destroyed his legacy for <laughs> whatever that means. But uh, I think it was though, right? Because didn't the commercial he was in, he was like like walking along the beach? Or am I picturing something different? I, I'm pretty sure I have that image in my head. Of course, that's the image of every commercial like that. But I do recall that being the fodder mm. parody. Though when I now when I think of the dick pill uh, commercials for the old, older guys, I think of the two bathtubs next to each other. You know, that's what I think of. That, that's <laughs> uh, Jim's. I think you're right that this is at least a good conceptually, at least like, okay, how does Homer make it up to Bart other than just having a stupid apology that you know is meaningless from Homer? That Homer does sacrifice his dignity to get back the money he owes Bart. Now, obviously we know since this episode, Homer has wasted far more money than what he would have set aside for Bart, but let's just pretend that Bart has a nice trust run from here on, thanks to Homer. And there's some weird uh, alternate a joke for that Viagra commercial on the DVD. I don't know if you saw this, Henry, but it's basically the same except Homer kind of goes Super Saiyan in terms of what his hair does (laughs) at the end. So, yeah, the girl, he says, what could be better than a full head of hair? And then uh, the the sexy bikini girl whispers something in his ear and then his hair, you know, pops up and it's a hair-raising joke. And then he says, what are you waiting for, loser? But I think I would, if I know why they cut scenes... 
I would bet it's because the hair raising just looks weird. Like you said, it looks like going Super Saiyan. It doesn't pop correctly. Is it supposed to be? I mean, this is just me interpreting what they might be trying to say. Like his hair is getting a boner. Is that what's happening? That's what I figure. Yeah. I think okay. they forgot to add the sprawling sound effect over his hair <laughs> popping up there. Probably a wise thing to leave on the deleted scenes. Yes, a, uh, a Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon parody, Viger joke, hair boner. Uh, welcome to the next era of the show, everyone. Yes, yeah. And, James, you're very good also on your uh, on your channel charting just how horny seasons get or don't get. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys are you guys are watching season 14. You know all about how horny and Marge fetishy this season is. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And soon we're going to get to uh, A Star is Born Again, which is also a rather horny episode. Oh, yeah, that dress. I will always remember that dress. And also, Ned has sex outdoors. Like, Yeah, I will, I will go to bat to that episode. That episode's underrated. I'll be interested to hear what you guys think of it. But like, I think that has some nice little Ned stuff. Uh, plus, it has the dress in it. And also, now we have so much more respect for Marissa Tomei as an actress. Yeah, there you go. Yes. After having watched My Cousin Vinny as an adult, I mm-hmm. do. But yeah, this this 300th episode, I understand, uh, Jim's why it is not in your top 10 for the season. I think they, as usual, had a not bad idea for a story and then stuffed it full of celebrities that take like seven minutes out of it. And then they also decide, let's have a crazy, wacky battle at the end of the uh, scene. So it's just, it's all the things that weigh down uh, what could be good episodes. Yeah, I guess uh, my final thoughts are, to paraphrase Marge, I wanted them to celebrate their 300th episode, but not like this. Not like this. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the same boat. It kind of felt like Al Jean's take on a Mike Scully episode where they had kind of a rational episode for the first couple of acts. Kind of like like maybe like Tennis the Menace where there's like a plot going on. And then in Act 3, there's like some celebrity danger kind of set piece that misses the point or just raises stakes for, for no reason. So... Having a good time in the first couple of acts, but it just quickly falls off the cliff in Act 3. You know, now that you mentioned Tennis the Menace, I like this episode more because I remember I remember how crummy that one was. I actually prefer this this crummy uh, celebrity-filled ending to that one. Me too. Fewer celebrities as well. Yeah, that's true. So that's, that's our seal of approval. This is a better Tennis the Menace. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining us once again, The Real Gyms. Please let us know all about your YouTube channel and what you're, you're up to lately. Okay, so uh, yes, uh, so my YouTube channel is called The Real Gyms. It's a terrible title for a YouTube channel, but that's what I went with. Uh, I'm just doing a bunch of Simpsons videos, Simpsons histories, covering the seasons. I just did a video about Cletus, which was referenced during the podcast, so please check that one out. Uh, also, I'm thinking about doing for uh, Christmas a video about Miracle on Evergreen Terrace. So... We'll see if that video comes together. I'm thinking about doing an episode about like trying to figure out if it's too depressing as the question. So maybe that episode will happen. But otherwise, like look forward to my videos in January where I try to watch all the I'm trying to watch all the movies from 2023, all the animated movies. So you might get a special about me talking about all these weird movies that have come out this year so look forward to that Ooh, that's fun i also i love uh i wore a yoshi shirt today in honor of your uh, oh yeah yeah i see the monkey i didn't even notice for a second i see see the monkeys and everything so <laughs> gotta represent yoshi for some reason on this channel 
Yeah, I look forward to all of those. I I, lo- I, I love your uh, second looks or whenever you spotlight an episode. Those are some of my favorites. And uh, yeah, we, you know, as, as fellow Simpson scholars, I always look forward to your, your views on, uh, on the series, especially in a holistic view of the many later seasons. Yeah, well, th- those videos take a lot of research as well. So I'm glad you guys are getting something out of them. And like when you're doing the podcast that you were able to like see things from season 14 and everything. I'm glad I'm glad from all that researching and note taking and screen capping that like other people are getting something useful out of them. So I appreciate you saying that. We're all doing God's work with our respective content. <laughs> yes, very very pointless pop culture work, but but it's interesting to someone out there and that's the important thing. Mm-hmm. But thank you once more uh the real gems. Thank you gems. Thanks for having me on your show. Thanks again to The Real Gyms for being on the show. Please check out his YouTube channel. It is great. But as for us, if you want to check out more of what we do and get these episodes one week ahead of time and ad-free, please go to patreon.com slash talkingsimpsons. For five bucks a month, you can get just that, but also access to everything behind that $5 paywall. That includes uh, episodes all about Futurama, King of the Hill, Batman the Animated Series, The Critic, and Mission Hill. And that five bucks a month will also get you regular monthly access to new episodes of both Talking Futurama and Talk King of the Hill. And the second you sign up, you'll get access to everything behind that $5 paywall that we've made for the past six and a half years. Again, that is over 150 full-length podcasts. If you like hearing us, there's a lot you haven't heard. If you're not a patron, at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. And Henry, a little bird told me there's a $10 level. And when you sign up for that, you get all the $5 stuff. That makes sense. But you also get one mega-long podcast once a month, only for patrons of that level or higher. Bob, yeah, Bird is right. That is the What a Cartoon movie podcast we do each month where we cover an animated feature film super in-depth, just like an episode of The Simpsons, which often means talking for over four, five, or even six hours about that movie. For the start of the holiday season just last month, we covered The Muppet Christmas Carol. That was a whole lot of fun. And if you're listening to this near the end of the year, I think you'll it'll warm your heart too. And we are ending the year with us covering the modern Disney classic, the Emperor's New Groove, which has a very interesting backstory to its creation as well. And you can hear the full thing, us talking about it for, I'm sure, many, many hours. If you are a $10 subscriber at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons and you get five years of back catalog of our What a Cartoon movies, everything from Akira to a goofy movie, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse to Beavis and Butthead do the universe and our longest podcast ever, six and a half hours about... Who Framed Roger Rabbit? And you will learn a ton from that one, too. So please head over to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons to see everything you're missing out on. So as for me, I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. And my other podcast, by the way, it's called Retronauts. It's a classic gaming podcast all about old video games. You can find that wherever you find podcasts or go to patreon.com slash Retronauts and sign up there for two full-length bonus episodes every month. And I have a book out, by the way, a new book. It is the Boss Fight Books volume, all about Day of the Tentacle. I put together an extensive oral history on that game for its 30th anniversary. And you can find that wherever you find books or at the Boss Fight Books website. It makes a great gift, regardless of what holiday you celebrate this month. And Henry, how about you? You can follow me on most social media at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G or Talking Henry on Instagram you will stay in the loop of all the cool things I'm posting up a storm with. As well, when you're following me and Bob on social media, please follow at Talk Simpsons Pod. 
at Talk Simpsons Pod on Twitter, on Blue Sky, on Instagram. You will know when new episodes go live on the free feed on Patreon, when we have live shows at, like the one we're about to do at Sketchfest or the one we did do earlier this year with Bill Oakley. You stay in the loop if you follow those things. And of course, you can always find an easy list of our previously released free podcasts and lots of other cool info if you go to TalkingSimpsons.com. Yes, TalkingSimpsons.com. Thanks so much for listening, folks. We'll see you again next time for Season four's Lisa's First Word, and we'll see you then. Molokai, Deseratum, Maleductu, Nosferatu, Ascendum, Corporalis, Diabolicus, Abominabilis, Ooh, Mad Lips. <laughs>